Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> the Friday the 13th franchise. Friday the 13th. You may only see it once. But that will be enough. Friday, the 13th. Now, we've already talked about the Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween franchises on previous shows, and this time we're going to tackle that other seminal 80s slasher series, The Adventures of Jason Voorhees, a physically and mentally handicapped child who drowned in Camp Crystal Lake in 1958 while the counsellors were making sex, and then came back decades later to periodically murder teenagers as a lumbering, hockey-mask-wearing monster. With us is Neil Taylor, a long-time fan of the series, and we already covered Freddy vs. Jason with him in our Nightmare show. Hello, Neil. Hello, and thank God we don't have to talk about that again. Yeah, we don't, that's, that, that, makes our, that lightens our load. Now we only have to talk about 11 movies. <laughs> oh, that's a relief. We're going to be talking, God. hopefully in the space of less than an hour, and you, dear viewers, will know if we achieved that goal, about Friday the 13th, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and X. And the remake, <laughs> lightly covering the details and the ups and downs of each one, most of which Sharon and I had not seen until this October, making this an eye-opening marathon. Basically, yes. we'd seen one or two of them, and I just I tracked them all down all together. As it turns out, unlike uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which, where the box set's really cheap in this country, box sets are hard to come by and quite expensive. I think Is it because the um, it went from Paramount to New Line? Neil. Went to Paramount from New Line, yeah. um, and it's just one of these franchises that they they have done box sets, but the US only a lot of the time. I don't yeah. think there's been a UK uh, a UK release box set, which is really annoying because the, the, the it, it it's really odd to me that you have you know the Nightmare has a, a fairly good box set. It's not a great box set, but it, mm. it's a good one. It's a bit it can be it's bare bones. Uh, it, they do a good job with the first Nightmare, but after that it. Um, it, it, they tend to cram both film, two films onto a disc. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Hellraiser's got one of the nicest looking uh, box sets. Oh, it's it's the, the cube, isn't it? The Lamentation configuration. That's the one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, I mean, we will probably do Hellraiser at some point. Sharon and I have seen the first two, and we just acquired a flipper disc of Hellraiser three. Hell on Earth is that the one? Yeah, yeah and then I'd Hellraiser stopping. four. <laughs> I, I, I would stop after Bloodline. I yeah. really would. Well, we've got, we've got Bloodline as well, just to see that one. But like looking at how many sequels there have been, I don't have enough time in my year for that. No, Hellraiser <laughs> threw me as well because I I used to really like Clive Barker's books, <laughs> and I watched this and went, "Why?" Save it for the Hellraisers. Yes, I know. we'll do that. And uh, there, is there is there a box set of Halloweens? Uh, they were doing one again. The Halloweens has a, has that weird tendency of being at a US only release, and they do do some yeah. nice nice releases. And that's a franchise that's it's wow, <laughs> it's ups and downs. Yeah, I, I think we said back when we did the Halloween show that the thirtieth uh, uh, anniversary, or it could be twenty fifth anniversary, uh, remaster DVD from like a you know a, a, like a two K or a four K um, master is 
gorgeous to look at. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous in terms of like how crisp the, uh, the the dark, shadowy, like greeny world of Halloween is. Mm. Um, but none of the Jason discs looked any good, at least on DVD that we that we saw. But Neil, are, are the Blu-rays any good? Uh, I've only seen a few in HD, and th- th- no. again, they're, they're they're okay. But you have to remember these, and this is one of the key successes to the fr- to the to the reason why this franchise exists. They were cheap. Yeah. Mm. And that, the, just the, your use of the term franchise there, Neil, this is something that I just want to um, talk about briefly because the, the use of the word franchise, especially in this day and age, is one of my particular bugbears because this is a franchise. Mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street was a franchise. Mm-hmm. Halloween was a franchise. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter is not a franchise. Yeah, no. Franchise is like McDonald's or Subway. There is no central government to it. Yeah. They're just, you, you take the name, you take the format you go and do what you want with yeah. it it's not franchises like should we do another teams. of these exactly yeah. a series is roughly the same production team roughly the same cast everybody's pulling in the same direction we all a have plan. a plan Absolutely. So, so marvel is a saga or a series yeah. uh yes not dc it's a franchise no, it's not, it's not. well technically it is because of like it's bounced like back and the, forth the between the various batman and then the supermen yeah yeah I, I think it's safe to say dc doesn't know what it is yet no. but you could apply the same to marvel's previous films as well yeah yeah, yeah. dc's growing kevin uh, feige took it over. yeah yeah okay so um let's let's get on because we've got so many of these even if we do one every <laughs> six minutes fast. then we're still going to be over an hour so uh, Friday the 13th, part one, a.k.a. Mrs. Voorhees Goes Berserk, the yes. 1980 classic? Um, I would say yes. Question mark? I, 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 honestly, um, I was surprised by how not terrible this was. Mm, uh, me now, too, yeah. And it felt, and this is the thing that kept occurring to me when I was watching it, Hitchcocky. Mm. Like the director actually had watched Hitchcock films, made a few notes and gone, you know what, I could totally do this. I was going to say, I think that's very deliberate. There's a shower scene. Um, there's, I, I'm trying to remember if anybody actually gets killed with a with a carving knife, but there is definitely a strain to the music. Oh, Mrs. Voorhees keeps changing up her, her various she does, things. She? Yeah. she frequently uses She's weapons like, that it becomes rapidly apparent Mrs. Voorhees couldn't lift, interestingly yeah. enough. Well, you know how mothers... Like can lift a car to to save their son if they're in yes. that moment of panic. I'm assuming mothers can also use a giant wood chopping axe to, <laughs> to kill someone their son in years moment of later. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's kind of funny because obviously the the main sort of thing we roll off with the the first film is the fact that uh, we get killer POV, but we'd never see the killer till pretty much the end of the film. So yeah. it's always left up as a who's the killer? You know, they they use Jason almost as a legend of the parts Absolutely. more than, and it really yeah. does feel psychoish a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. And you know that boy's best friend is his mother. Uh, this was directed and produced by Sean S. Cunningham and written by Victor Miller. And you notice if you go through the various uh, episodes, uh, it does feel episodic. They keep changing director, they keep changing writer, they keep changing producer. That's what Sharon means when she's saying that this is like, it's, it's passing from one team to the next. And like, it, only Kane Hodder's like by the end left going like, I remember back in the day when I started on Friday the 13th, around about seven, that, uh, you know, we had a clear vision here and it seems to have the muddied waters have, uh, clouded over the vision of Camp Crystal. Like, oh, I'm, I'm back on, grabs his machete. <laughs> 
And it really winds me up as well. Every time we watch this, like, these are short films. These are not especially involved. Mm. And every time a new one started, you get about five minutes worth of previously on Friday the 13th. At yeah. the beginning, my God. That, that, at least one of them is like 82 minutes long, which is barely a movie, and six of those minutes are what <laughs> happened recap. in the last couple. And then two minutes of credits. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, no, the, the, the first one is, um, it, there's a sense of tension and it's taut and there is the mystery. So even if you know the answer, they are entertaining that mystery throughout. And it does have that, it's slightly more classy in that regard. Mm-hmm. And also the performance from, um, <clears throat> who's the Mrs. Voorhees, Betsy Palmer, actually is a little bit unnerving because she doesn't have a, uh, a hockey mask to hide behind and she's all sort of, you know, my Jason. And it's very, like, you know, she's an unhinged woman. And so that's it's got a power to it which i like I, I didn't get from any of the other killers no and a lot of the time some of the time the killers just aren't jason either well indeed and i mean the the most of the performances in this are a little bit wooden but no less than you'd expect mm. in most cheap movies yeah this is the one where kevin bacon gets killed with an arrow yeah uh, no Through, yep. no he doesn't yes yes Underneath the bed, just boom, straight through. Or is it an arrow? What do you think that was? No, it's a knife, isn't it? That was an arrow? No, it's an arrow. arrow. It's an arrow through the neck. Mm. Fair enough. Uh, Neil, um, sorry, we've talked and talked about uh, what we feel, but what specific good and bad bits are there to to this first one for you? I like a lot of when we start talking about the the franchise horror films of the 80s, it's always where you you find that the first one is one thing and it mutates into something else for the later films uh, a lot of the time. This one is just a straight up bare bones basic horror film, but not in a bad way, as in someone who's starting their craft has a good grasp of what they, they want to achieve and does the best with the budget they have to to to, you know, produce that. Um, I, I do not mean bare bones in any nasty way at all. I think it, it, it has a ridiculously small budget. Mm. Uh, a workmanlike film, as the best way I can put it. Uh, it's someone starting out. They're doing the best, do the best with what they can, and it is a very enjoyable film. Mm. It's, right, it's tw- like a high-end student film in a way. Yes, it, and it's definitely yes if you know the twist, which I think most people do now. Thanks, Scream. Um, <laughs> You know, it is a nice twist because here's here's a film where the killer isn't some deranged pervert or deranged madman. It's a mother that snapped over mm. the, the death of their child, which is different. Again, it's, you know, a lot of the times it is some sort of deranged male killer, whereas this time it is it's a mother that mm. snapped. And you can sort of see why she'd have her personal vendetta against those dirty teenagers making love when they should have been uh, looking after my Jason. And that there's a kind of logic to that. Uh, wherein later on, Jason kills teenagers who are actually quite nice mm. and, and aren't even the least bit related she's, to... She's to, got a little bit of kind of uh, Carrie's mum repression mm, going yeah. on there as well. So. Yes. Uh, by the way, Tom Savini confirmed for number one and number four. So, okay. Yeah. Special makeup effects. Uh, he also plays Man with Knife in the first one. Oh, we also noticed the trope of the Harbinger. I think he's in the first one, the second one, maybe the third one. And he's definitely in Jason Takes Manhattan. And now the, the first Harbinger sort of turns up and goes, oh, you shouldn't be here. And like, basically, I think that once you've seen Cabin in the Woods... You can see the strings. <laughs> It's really hard to watch Friday the 13th and take the ones that are taking themselves seriously, seriously. Yeah, it's very hard. But you say tropes, it's weird because 
this is the franchise that wrote most of them. Yeah, so yeah. this is before yeah. the tropes were trained. This they, is why it, it's it's so weird watching them in retrospect because you've seen them played out time and time again. It feels like one is the connective tissue between the Hitchcock thriller and the eighties horror slasher. Yes, if that uh, makes definitely. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if, if they'd had a Laurie Strode or someone from the beginning that you could kind of follow, it would have felt more like a thriller, which Halloween, I believe, is. Mm. Um, yeah. Whereas uh, later on, the thing that defines this franchise and also Nightmare and also what Halloween became, you're not with the hero in this, you're with the killer. And uh, it's like Freddy specifically, I think they even said that the reason that Freddy's movie stopped is because he's worshipped by children. He's the child killer. He shouldn't be... Kids shouldn't be like, yay, Freddy. (laughs) It's like, yay, Pennywise. Gee, it's almost like that was the point they were trying to make in New Nightmare. Yeah. Hmm. The the other thing is, as well, with a horror movie, that for me, there's really got to be an element of... um, cautionary tales so mm. you know if you if you look don't at a horror, go into the woods what is it saying to house. you not to do and in later um episodes of this there's this sort of this feeling of of jason just minds his own business if everybody would just leave him alone mm. um and that feels a bit off like there's a psycho living in a cabin in the woods but as long as nobody bothers him um, yeah if no one steals his weed we'll all be fine <laughs> <laughs> you know that's that's not right <laughs> Steve should never have opened this place again. There's been too much trouble here. Did you know that a young boy drowned the year before those two others were killed? The counselors weren't paying any attention. They were making love while that young boy drowned. His name was Jason. I was working the day that it happened, preparing meals. Here, I was the cook. Jason should have been watched Jason. I am. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. Where's Mr. Christie? Oh, I couldn't let them open this place again. Could I? Not after what happened. You let him drown. You never paid any attention. The original Friday the 13th is also noteworthy for a really quite good haunting ending. The final girl scraps with Mrs. Voorhees, eventually beheads her, and ends up floating in a rowboat on Crystal Lake for many hours until dawn. She's found by the police, and you're like, okay, so she's uh, saved. And then this little boy, Jason, goes out of the water and grabs her, and she wakes up in hospital. So she lives, only to be killed at the beginning of the second film, but she asks about the boy, and they're like, there was no boy. Ma'am, we didn't find any boy. And they hold on her face for an appropriately long amount of time for it to become kind of spine-tingling. 
and she says, Then he's still there. So unlike all the, all the other Friday the 13th films, this ends on a moment of uncertainty and melancholy, and it left the audience thinking about this little unfortunate boy, and this tragic death that could have been avoided, and obviously there was horrendous murders as a result of it, but you're still left sympathizing for Jason, and it leaves people unsettled. It's a more Victorian ending, creepy rather than super in your face. It turns the film into a ghost story of sorts, with the ghosts being twisted memories of loved ones, leading people to do terrible, regrettable things. So obviously the natural reaction is to want Jason to come back as an adult and brutishly murder 10 films worth of idiotic teenagers. That's, that's the best reaction to this kind of ending. On a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. So number two is a.k.a. Enter Jason in a Pillowcase. And, uh, the Potato Sack of Death. 1981. <laughs> now, I've, I've actually been keeping track of where the other Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street movies were uh, at this same, same stage. So you'd had Halloween 1 in 1978, and then Halloween 2 came out in 1981, the same year as this. <clears throat> the Nightmare franchise, that was much later, wasn't it? Yeah, that it? was uh, 84, the uh, same time as, uh, as Friday the 13th 4, uh, is the first Nightmare. So uh, this one's the one where Jason is just this kind of, well, there's this really like creepy bit where, uh, uh, creepy, like really mishandled bit where the girl, and dated too, um, the girl I think is, turns out to be the final girl who turns up and is annoying because she's late and Mm. says, oh, poor Jason, he's just this little retard wandering around in the woods. And I'm like, oh my God. Hang on, this is also the one where he, the, the camp counsellor says something along the lines of, there's bears, so ladies, you, you know, be sure and keep clean when it's your time of the month. For fuck's sake, you are talking to nearly adult women here. They've worked that shit out already. Also, guys, don't eat a Snickers bar. That's yeah. actually more That's likely. That's more likely, yeah, absolutely. Bears dig Snickers. <laughs> yeah, they, they, this is the one where, like, they really start laying down the tropes of the annoying boy. Like, there's always an annoying boy who uh, plays pranks. I think there is one in, in, in one, but, like, they, they really ramp up that these guys are super annoying. Are they usually the, the first to die, or at least pretty early on? But technically, one turns out to be the hero for three films. Yeah, or you mean Tommy? Yes. Yeah, he's the uh, he's not he's really a, a prankster. prankster, though, is he? Well, I suppose he is a bit. He's a bit. He, he he wears the sort of monster mask and goes, but like okay. he's just an annoying. But kid. he's not a he's not a dickhead that chases all the girls around the. No. Well, his point the the point of the dickhead is always the same. I don't know quite how to talk to women, so I will play pranks on them to sort of get a bit closer to them, and it makes me wonder, like. A lot of the time, with the early Fridays in particular, it feels like a bunch of old people are making these films and going, you teenagers, and like shaking their fist at the audience. (laughs) Uh, What I also tend to believe is, and this is where it might get a bit strange, a lot of the stuff is uh, 
is based on the American interpretation of Christian values, if mm-hmm. you want, is the best way I can think of put it. You know, no premarital sex, drug taking, drink taking, all this kind of stuff. It's it, Jason is the punishment for breaking these taboos, you know, the, the, the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll. I had to. No, but, uh, but that's what a lot kids of with your uh, rock and roll. I think the the well, biggest rock and roll offenses happen in six or rock and roll achievements. I love that soundtrack. Yeah. We'll get to that. We'll come back in a minute. But um, yeah, uh, if you look at a lot of the early eighties horror films, they all obey these. Mm. And it's very, you will obey this, otherwise you will be punished by the big nasty boogeyman, whether it be Freddy or Jason or Michael Myers. Yeah. yeah. So, so a lot of the other stuff, a so, lot of the other. 80s stuff does to that as well. So effectively, there's your um, cautionary tale. Okay, kids, don't drink, don't take drugs, don't um, neglect your responsibilities, don't dress skimpily, don't go skinny dipping in the middle of the night. So hang on a second. In terms of generation, are the teenagers in the Friday films baby boomers? Yes. Wow. So which is the generation that's uh, uh, chastising them and setting them up to be like this? Is it uh, the greatest generation? The greatest generation. Oh, no, hang on. It's, no? No, it's not. That was World War One. Korean it? War uh, it's guys. It's the war babies, the GI babies. Okay, so they're basically like pointing at the at uh, uh, baby boomers and going, "Hey, you guys don't appreciate. I used to be I in a war. I used to be in a war. That's exactly. What I was say. And I put paid to a few like you." Because, I mean, the way they act is like, yo, that's cool, daddy-o. And it's like, you do realise that teenagers in the 80s are slightly different from teenagers in the 60s, guys, right? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, Andrew Jupin uh, said uh, when uh, We Hate Movies covered this, because they've done a lot of Friday stuff, um, that in the early Fridays, it was still just on the cusp of the 70s, so all the uh, people look like shit, and at the same time, they look great. It's yep. because the, the, the body dynamic from the 70s was much more natural a lot less makeup a lot less hair products and just like, there's all these girls in with tans and like skimpy shorts and, yeah, uh, and t-shirts specifically, they were in between the um construction level underwear yeah. of the 50s and early 60s yeah. and the um uh, Oval stylized heroin stylized chic of the 80s, of yeah. the, um, 80s and 90s yes early 90s so, yeah, they, these kind of sit on the cusp because you've got people whose um, worldviews are still mired in the 60s and 70s delivering what's going to become kind of a lot of the cultural touchstones of the 80s. Mm. They're chasing freedom and they keep coming up against machetes. Yeah. <clears throat> Regarding the dream sequence at the end of film one with the boat and ghost Jason, and this is the film that rather than trying to horrify you is make, trying to make you uneasy and to leave unanswered questions. Mm. I far prefer that than films like uh, Nine where they go, here's the answer to all of your questions and the answer is gibberish. Mm. <laughs> the, the answer was the necronomic... The neck... Ah, I know which one you mean. Look at the dead. But yeah, the, the, I'm not going to say that this is anywhere near as good, um, but it did remind me a little bit of uh, An American Werewolf in London. Really? It just in the in the tone and in the. That's a vast um, compliment to Friday too. I, no, well, like American Wealth is the best werewolf film ever. No, no, made. no. Sorry, the first one I'm talking about. Okay. Oh, the first one. Yeah. Right. Okay. As in, it's got that kind of melancholy ending. Yes. Yeah. And the uh, the dream sequence really felt similar to me to the dream sequence. Yeah, the double that. dream within a dream. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also point out that the, the the there's a girl in two and a guy in a wheelchair, and the girl really seems to have the hots for him. And I'm like, these guys are like. 
I, I kind of like them. Can, can we just not kill them for a bit? Can You're we... meant to. This is back when, you know, horror movies actually had likable people in them. Yeah. So you didn't want them to die. That was kind of the freaking point that has got so, so lost in horror films, especially in that god-awful remake. Yeah. Um, and and I, I could honestly have, like, I, I wouldn't have been fascinated, but I would have been fine if there'd been, you know what, this was kind of a misnomer. Uh, Friday 2 is actually kind of like long, hot, wet American summer. And it's just, a, you know, the, the lives of counsellors at a summer camp for an hour and a half. I'll be fine with that. But but Jason turns up in a pillowcase, kills everyone. That guy, <laughs> we hate movies pointing out that the guy with the machete in his head falling backwards down the stairs on a wheelchair, they get their mileage out of that shot in repeated music. Oh, <laughs> Obviously yeah. on Friday the 13th. Do you know what? I, you, you say that about the, the lives, life and times of camp counsellors. I just... <laughs> I had an idea for another one in the franchise. Basically, you have the whole thing is set on one night mm. of these kids in the camp just doing camp stuff, and occasionally it will flash to Jason setting up dynamite and things at various points around the building. Like no Wiley Coyote. Yeah, no one ever sees him. He never interacts with anybody. You get the whole way through the story. All the characters have done all their character stuff, and then Jason just sets fire to the dynamite, walks away, and the whole thing blows up. Like it ain't no thing. Absolutely. That's and they all die at once. Because that's Hitchcock's saying you know when jason you know sets a bomb and you say at some point it's going to go off then you have them gripped for the entire film and suddenly it becomes an exercise intention i'd be fine with this yeah he's just like you know what it is too much bother to track them all down individually separate just gonna wait until they're all in one place and then set fire to the building demolition is my new specialty too much bother is that like digging tunnels all underneath the camp all over the place yeah which one was that fucking remake oh god i've forgotten that yeah. Okay. We actually saw the remake first, folks. I was like, you know, let's see the remake, and then we can c- retroactively compare all the other ones to it. Mm. And all I've done is just forgotten the remake. I believe my the phrase I uttered was, "What the hell <laughs> was that?" Um, oh, at the at the end of two is the one where she puts on Mrs. Voorhees jumper because there's like the altar yep. to Mrs. Voorhees with her severed head and it's all Ooh, yeah, rotted. Very and she goes, Jason, you just put that down. And like she pretends to be his mum. And that's a good ending. Mm. But then mm. she sort of attacks him. Then she gets taken back to a thing. And it's like, hang on, there's too many endings here. Then and Jason the attacks. The that we thought was dead turns up and saves her somehow. Then Jason yeah. attacks through the window again. Then she's being led away on a stretcher. It's like, no, no, you had a good one there. Yeah. Like, like the they actual- had six endings. Endings. They didn't know which one to use. The actual ending should have been, you know, come to mummy, come to mummy, and then she lops his fucking head off Absolutely. the end. It's yep. a duology. Eh? There you go, it, done. That that ending just makes much more sense because the whole thing mm. is pointed, which they never quite explain, or if they did, I, I honestly can't, can't remember it, is the fact that we're told in the first film that Jason died. Yeah. It's quite clear in the second film Jason did not die. Yeah. He There's, became yeah. Mad Mountain. There are, are there are various contradictions throughout the there series. Really we'll are, get to them yeah, the, the, time, but... There is um, a specific conversation where, and I think he's, he's telling a, a, like a campfire ghost story or something, yeah. but he does suggest the that basically the hook somehow Jason hid at the bottom of the lake yep. for years. Kids are known to do that. And then, I don't think he said it for years. Apparently, in the official timeline, which is obviously just written by fans, mm-hmm. um, the Jason did crawl out, get washed ashore, and just lived wild in the woods for thirty years. But if his mother was 
such a wonderful person. 20 years. Why wouldn't he go home? Why would he decide that living wild in the forest was preferable to going back and telling well, his mum, I'm still alive, you don't have to kill anybody on my behalf? Good question. Um, I think Nine sets up the fact that Mrs. Voorhees wasn't such a nice person. Well, indeed, he came from yes. a, an abusive family. Right. Um, Which does kind of... It, it, that is planted in the in the first one and the second one, to be fair, because nobody who was raised in a loving, caring environment would decide to keep the body of their dead mother on an altar with various mm. other rotting corpses. Yeah. Also, one thing I do like about the second one, and it's something that the Nightmares do in later iterations as well, is... They explain why the final girl from the first film isn't in the second one. Well, it did more than that. They literally kill her yeah. off. Yeah. But like, even if at the end of two, they um, that this this second final girl kills Jason, chops his head off. You can bring him back as this Frankenstein creation in three. Like you can do. Oh, you can well, have your goal. about that in yeah. when we get to six because you know, I actually like what they did. As there. long as you make a good film for two, you can just ignore the third one if it's if it's like you know you can just say well the first two sort of indulge in physics and the third one's where it gets all supernatural. That's fine. You know we want to carry on the franchise. Like better to make good movies than try to have too many endings. Mm. Yeah, it's just kind of like um, while a lot of people like to ignore Friday, uh, not Friday, sorry, Nightmare Two. When I actually quite like Nightmare 2. Nightmare 2 was the weirdly ahead of its time sympathetic gay parallel one. Weekends are a good time to escape to the woods. Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Because 13 is an unlucky number. But out here, so are 1 through 12. Because these are Jason's woods. And nobody leaves them alive. Friday the 13th, part 3 in 3D. So 3 is the one with far too much flashback at the beginning. I think 3 is really, really short. And then it has this disco intro. Yep. Um, and it's like... And this is... Uh, yeah... Steve Miner directed parts two and three, and uh, Ron Kurtz uh, wrote the second one. Victor Miller wrote the first one. Martin Kit Russell and Carol Watson wrote the third one. So see what I mean about it constantly changing hands. But it seemed like Steve Miner kind of knew what he wanted to do with two, and then by three, he is just lazy as hell. Three is a lazy Friday. One and two, I was just Jason in his uh, pajama bottoms all day. I couldn't You call it it lazy, and I'm not going to argue a lot of it is, but it does actually introduce the iconic, and and it's the probably iconic. Yeah, Uh, hockey mask. Mm. I will totally agree that the hockey mask uh, is is iconic. You could stick that hockey mask on anyone, and people go, ah. Jason, Jason. Um, including hockey players, interestingly yeah. enough. Um, yeah, the, the first and second ones, I was kind of sat there because the only before we started this, the only one I'd ever seen was Jason Takes Manhattan. All right, Ooh. which Ooh, I actually, well, you see, this is the thing. I saw it as a kid. I saw it multiple times as a kid. I really liked. We'll it. come to that in a but minute. We'll come to that later. Oh, I think um, people are probably going to guess of my love of a certain film, which one was the one I saw first. <laughs> But the first and second one, I'm watching them. I'm thinking, you know what? Actually, they're not all that bad. They are. There's some pretty good um, uh, ideas behind them. Mm. I like the twist ending. I like the way they do the uh, the psychological ending of the second one. I wasn't that keen on the body of the second one, but the end was good. If yeah. they'd known when to stop. But then it got to three, and three was the one that really made me get really made me go. Oh, oh I, I see. see. <laughs> uh, like um, of of these um, ten that we got. 
and we uh, we didn't I didn't get all of them on DVD because I managed to watch one of them. Like five was on Netflix, and the remake was on Amazon Prime. But of the DVDs, I'm keeping one and two, and I'll tell you the other ones as we go. But I'm not keeping three. The only things three that three is now a coaster. The only things that stood out about uh, three were there's that one bit where he like like squishes a guy's head and the eyeball pops out. Yep, and there's also that crotch thing where he like fires a, uh, a harpoon into someone's crotch, <laughs> which is kind of amusing. But like right in the dick that that was unnecessary. <laughs> this is Friday the Thirteenth Three, aka the origin of the hockey mask and the shonky three D nightmare. Because my god, from frame one after all of those flashbacks finish, they're like poking stuff into your yep. face. It's <laughs> like, very pokey pokey. It's yeah. extremely pokey. pokey. Is there a bit where a guy's like, I've got a yo yo right into the yeah. screen. And the yeah, girl's like, cut it out. Was this the second or third attempt to bring back 3D at this point in the 80s? Because it comes 50s. back. It, it is like Jason 3D. It yeah. keeps coming back. It keeps back. reanimating. It, Stop it. There was 50s, 80s, early 2000s, and then late 2000s, and it's not gone away. Um, Have you noticed, by the way, she's wearing a bright blue T-shirt and the yo-yo is bright blue? Is that so you can see them through the 3D glasses? Very likely, actually. Yep. I, yeah. It would have been the old green and red. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, there's nothing really much to say. Like he he ends up getting hanged, and that, uh, but like the like she doesn't she hit him in the side of the head with an axe? I think so. Yeah, that the, axe. Th- wound, this one's so forgettable. To like, be fair, apart t- from the the hockey mask, it's very yeah. But that axe blow to the mask remains the whole way through. It's really consistent. Um, it's it's on there the whole. They always make sure that it's there. So it's like it's this. It's literally the same hockey mask, which is good. Not necessarily yeah. a strength of three, but it's they, good they for the series. They do try and keep the damage across the hockey mask mm. fairly consistent. It's yeah. not always accurate, but as consistent as they can. He doesn't really get a new hockey mask until six. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, unless we're talking five, where it's not Jason. Yes, it's not Jason. Yeah. Three times before, you have felt the terror. Known the madness lived the horror but this is the one you've been screaming for Jason's reign of terror is over Friday the 13th the final chapter Jason's unlucky day Number four, a.k.a. not the final chapter, uh, was 1984, and that was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, 1. Yes. Um, so, so it's quite funny. You see, you sort of get the rise of a new horror icon in Freddy, and here they attempt to kill off the previous horror icon in, well, I don't even know if you can call them icons at this point, but you know what I mean, the, the creatures. Yeah. In this um, and also, uh, probably one of the biggest names turns up in, if you don't count Kevin Bacon, I suppose, because I don't think it's quite, he's quite as famous as... Uh, at at the time, um, I think probably this kid was more famous than Kevin Bacon was famous in 1980, if that makes sense. It's it's little Corey Feldman. He'd already played Copper in um, The Fox and Hound, and he'd been in various Disney-related things, and he was super cute when he was a kid, gotta say. But though there is a lot of really, like, like, he's the final girl in this, technically, although his sister's yes. in there too. But, like, he's the one who's resourceful. And they changed the dynamic a bit as a result of that. And yeah. 
the, the the strength of this movie is that at the end he sort of gets Jason a little bit and mm. shaves his head and sort of comes down looking like a weird creepy version of Jason as a kid and it holds Jason still for a moment but then that, not content with that he also hacks at Jason with a machete mm. and that's a powerful unsettling ending because his sister's like okay Tommy that's enough and he's just like hacking and hacking away which they try and pay off in the not Jason and they they do not succeed. Um, and but, I can't remember much about the, the rest of it. Again, this one's by the numbers. It's just certain elements of Corey Feldman being absolutely fantastic. Mm. Well, compared to, to what he's got to work with, um, he's, he's a standout character. It's also standout because this is a rarity, uh, in especially with time in the horror genre, for the big franchise stuff, where instead of having a final girl we get the final boy which yeah. is much much rarer though there's that uncomfortable sequence where he's like watching uh, two teenagers um begin to have sex and he's just like bouncing on the bed and you're like what why are we watching this kid at the opening stages of pre- prepubescence what um oh this is the one with uh, speaking of prepubescence crispin glover's in this one as <laughs> this um like this was just before Back to the Future One, wasn't it? So, hang on. Yeah, just before. And, and this is again another one of those ones where the, like, there's that jokester guy, and I can't, I can't, I can't even tell them apart. I can't tell what their jokes are because they're all the same guy over and over again. They do have a tendency to go copy paste character, copy paste character. Yeah, the first part of the Tommy Jarvis trilogy? Question mark. Yes, if you don't count the comics, yes. Yeah. Severe trauma at age 12. Brutal self-defense murder of a psychopathic killer. Boy, they've given him every therapy they can think of. It's wonder his mind isn't fried with all the drugs they've given him. The mindless, murderous fury that was buried with Jason has been reborn. Pete! And suddenly, terror has become child's play. Friday the 13th, part 5, a new beginning. They're like, right, because he's now killed Jason. Like, up and he's dead, dead. And he's yes. dead. He's like, very thoroughly his, dead. His lifeline has been severed. Tommy ended his life because he is a physical being who was living and breathing mm. and wasn't this undead Frankenstein. What monster. was the justification for him being alive in three? It, it, just the guy who finished him off in two didn't do a good enough job. She, like, hit him in, with a machete in the shoulder. And then he disappeared. And then he disappeared and then he came back, but that was in her head. Which is the one where he gets taken to hospital? In three, he gets hanged, and then she hits him in the head with an axe. Right. Yep. And then at the beginning of four, he wakes up on a gurney? Yeah, and then he kills the people in the hospital. So that's the beginning of four? Yes, beginning of four. Very similar to Michael Myers waking up in the hospital at the beginning of two. Okay. So what we have here, then, is he might not have been dead. That might just have been a really incompetent paramedic. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the... Oh, no, he's definitely dead. Yeah. So, basically, up until this point, at the end of four, Jason is a living, breathing human being who's been, like, wandering the woods for 20 years Mm. or longer now because now they start playing with time because Tommy (laughs) Jarvis is, like, 12 in the fourth one and then he's, like, 17, 18, 19 in the the fifth one. 
And yes, I'm with that. <laughs> yeah, clearly he's been mentally affected by the, by what's gone on. His mother was killed by this guy, and he's gone to this halfway house of again troubled, cannon fodder, troubled teens. And although I think a lot of the apparent time jumping at this point falls down the well of we couldn't possibly cast teenagers to play teenagers in the eighties. So yeah. they're like they're meant to be about. 14 to 17 they're being played by people in their mid to late 20s yeah. i'd also say that they probably couldn't afford Corey feldman by this point as well yeah he was yeah. beginning to be big like, i think he went off and did the goonies instead of well, this he, one he's there Although he does cameo at the beginning he, i was gonna say he's there for the intro the beginning of five i i think basically his parents who were his agents stroke managers at this point went we'd rather he did the goonies than this yeah. I hope that's okay. <laughs> Understand. To be fair, Corey's it was career the brings a sigh of relief. Yeah. Under those circumstances, they should really have helped him with his decisions after the Goonies as well. Yes, indeed. Well, that's true. Yeah. I think by that point, the cocaine had taken off. If you look at the kind of stuff that Corey has done since then, there's a, there's a lot. Mm. And uh, Although he has fared to date better than Haim. To be fair, he after this, he did Goonies, Stand By Me and The Lost Boys. Lost Boys, yes. yeah. And of course, yeah, Stand by Me is is the, is the best of the three, and um, yeah, I mean that, that's a that's a pretty good run for uh, like if if he did nothing else and he was just a child star and that was it, that, that just those three together would have been great. Yeah, I don't know. You also got License to Drive after the Lost Boys, which I True. have a really stupid soft spot for. And he was Donatello's voice in the Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> the Lost Boys was quite a career springboard, actually, if you think about it. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland, Alex Winter, Jason Patrick, Jason Patrick. Ew. Because whatever happened to Jamie Gertz? No one forgets Jamie Gertz and little Eddie Munster and that other frog brother. Sharon's looking no, no, down. No, no, I was just thinking is little Eddie Munster the guy from Teen Witch? But no, that's the little baby vampire from Near Dark. No, yeah, the, 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 I'm making dinner, that kid. Mm. Ugh. He's a creep and a half. Sorry, back to Friday the 13th <laughs> 5, the one without Jason at all. Yeah, sorry, we got distracted by good movies. At this point, like, when they're at the halfway house, we're going to spoil these ones because, like, we can't talk about them. There's nothing to talk about if you, if you can't spoil them. At this point, like, there's this big dopey kid is like hey girls can i help you with your laundry i'm eating chocolate you want some and then he like gets their laundry all chocolate and they say go away and he goes and talks to this guy angrily chopping wood and says hey can i help you with the chopping wood or something along those lines and the guy goes no you can't and murders him with an axe yeah randomly what the fuck where did that come from and uh, you find out basically at the end that the guy playing Jason in this is the paramedic who was driven insane by seeing the sight of his son that he had left in this halfway house. And you only found out that he was his son after the fact because there was a picture in his wallet um, ha- having been murdered. And uh, he goes on a roaring rampage of revenge on everyone. And he kills these hillbillies. Mike, that bit... That boy, hill, that son hillbilly, just like driving around on his motorbike in the, around the, the backyard, roaring at his mother, Ma, he hit me! And then Jason, well, uh, Roy, kills them both and gets, her head gets sho- shoved in a stew. That guy is out of control. It just, there's so much that's just off the chain in this film, but like not in a wow, this is really unhinged, but in a this is just one too far, mm-hmm. and like that that cocaine adult guy and going after the the waitress. It's a grotty movie. It really is. Yeah. The, the fact that the whole premise hinges on the fact that the paramedic has a son that nobody knows is his son. Yeah. 
and doesn't get there and freak out when he sees his son mm. lying dead on the ground and he has just to gets take the psycho peepers instead he just he just you know stiff up a lips it and gets on mm. with it I I don't I don't buy that for even a second. <laughs> it's a much better premise that like Tommy's thinking, oh my god, you know, like when Jason starts killing again. Apparently, am I doing this when I became Jason for that brief time and then murdered Jason? Like, did something snap inside me? Is this me? Like, a good movie would have made that the angle the Absolutely. whole way through. I mean, they do kind of imply that you you're meant to sort of entertain that idea for a brief moment. But it's never really The guy playing Jason doesn't have his build at all. No, not even slightly. Yeah. They call number five the new beginning, and it wasn't. It's an odd one. Mm. I don't... It's it's weird. There's like half a good, interesting psychological sort of thriller there, and then there's this really tacked on, naffly written, quickly done horror movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. The psychological stuff with Tommy, which I know you're going to get to with the ending it's actually the more interesting would have been a lot more I suppose to me would have been more interesting to follow again like uh, as with one keep you guessing the whole way through even like if that's well executed it'd be fun to watch a second third time yeah but mm. since it's not well executed, it's not fun to watch a first time. Absolutely. And in the end, you sat there going, well, this is pointless. It's not even Jason, so why are we bothering? Mm. I, I, I honestly don't mind if they try and change things up. But every time they try and change things up, it's actually worse mm. somehow. Yeah. I don't know why that is. It, really it, it can be because it's weird because like my, my favourite Halloween sequel is like three. Yeah, which is nothing, Which is nothing to do with the Halloween. Now to do with Michael Myers. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same in principle. They were like, Michael Myers is now dead after two. We now can make the Halloween franchise about something else. No, you don't like that. Let's just go back to Michael Myers. And they did. Interestingly, Steve Miner, the director of Friday the 13th 2 and 3, went on to direct Halloween H20, which is my favourite Halloween. He also directed My Father the Hero, which is creepier than all of these films. Um, but yeah, the, the, the bit at the end, Tommy Jarvis like realizes it wasn't he wasn't Jason all along, and then he's in a hospital room, and then he sees Jason, and he wakes up, and he goes, "Oh my god!" And then he dreams that uh, the final girl comes to see him, and he stabs her, and then the final girl comes to see him, and he's like behind the door wearing the Jason mask, which was in his drawer, and it's like, "Well, hang on a second, you're trying to have your cake and eat it here." This again, as with two, far too many different endings, and like he smashed his window in and. She She's like, where's Tommy gone to? And he's bearing down on her with a knife and end. And it's like, well, no, one of these is a good ending. But you've just had four of these. Yeah, to, to, to borrow a wrestling, uh, a wrestling parlance, they overbooked the ending. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea is like, I, I suspect that it might be Tommy Jarvis who's Jason. If at the end it really is Tommy Jarvis, but he wasn't Jason before. I mean, if it uh, turns out that um, like maybe he actually did commit one of the murders... In fact, no, I've already written a better film in my head without even really thinking of it. The whole way through, you're like, oh, you know, this this one murder, like, it looks like Tommy did it, and then it turns out at the end it isn't Tommy because it's definitely Roy. And then at the end you find out it really was him that did that one murder. Therefore, it actually, there were two Jasons out there, and then he's the one who's continuing it. That's a better ending. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. No, okay. It kind of feels like part of the story was trying to reach for that. I, I like the idea of a film that explores the aftermath of the event of a horror film. Mm. You know, the what happens to the people that survived, or the girl that survived, the guy that survived, whoever survived. I so Scream 2. You like the idea of Scream 2, but not the execution of Scream yeah, 2. Yeah, I'm, I'm more thinking I'd like to see a film that explores it, but without the horror. 
Yeah. But only horror being the flashbacks to sort of the stuff that happened. I want to see the effect on people's lives, the trauma. That could be an interesting take. Totally. Because, uh, like, the 80s horror icons, the, you know, the, the 80s version of the, the Marvel, uh, not Marvel, sorry, uh, Universal Monsters. You know, what happens to these people that survive them? What kind of lives do they leave? How do you cope with, fight? you know, how does someone cope with discovering that there's a guy who can invade your dreams and kill you? Mm. That, that's technically all kinds of earth-shattering. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of those, um, like, if, if nothing else, you're going to have serious trouble sleeping. Luckily, for the Friday the 13th series, it was just about to have its high point. They thought the nightmare was dead. And buried. They were wrong. Jason lives. Happy Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, part 6. Jason lives. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 1st at a theater near you. Number six, a.k.a. Jason Lives and Rocks Out to Alice Cooper. Um, and this came out in 1986, uh, same year as the Friday the 13th, three, The Dream Warriors. Uh, the year before, in 1985, was uh, Freddy's Revenge, the uh, one where the guy thinks he's Fred. Oh, my God. So, actually, the new beginning, he thinks he's Jason. And in mm-hmm. uh, Freddy's Revenge, he thinks he's Freddy. It's the same friggin' idea. Yep. Oh, Lord. But uh, honestly, I think Freddy's Revenge does it a little bit better. It's a little bit more compelling. Yeah. Well, you, know, you can't really get much worse than the, the not especially new beginning. But yeah, Jason Lives and Rocks Out to Alice Cooper, number six, is the really good one. 1986, that's the other one I'm, I'm keeping. That's the top of my list. This is this the is... best Friday the 13th to me. Yes, this is. This is my personal favorite. Not only because, you know, Alice Cooper is my freaking hero but the soundtrack is really really good Bingo. and you get a dedicated song to, to jason Voorhees, which i kind of love i'm gonna be ending not, on that and it's not crap like the freddy ones this is actually genuinely quite good and quite fun yeah but i love the fact that the director came along and decided he was going to somewhat parody the genre because it was already getting a little bit well probably had got quite stale at this yeah. point this is tom mclaughlin as the uh, director and writer as well that's that's uh, not an accident clearly no he he definitely had an idea where to take it so like the big key thing taken here again and this is the final one of the tommy jarvis trilogy is this is where we get supernatural regenerating jason yeah which is where he and he takes that concept and he has fun with it and Mm. you know he takes it to a level that is just just the right kind of over the top yeah Uh, especially with some of the kills in this is you can't take them seriously because they are comedic yeah but yeah this is a black comedy none of the others are Mm. apart from jason x and it's a very bad black comedy, unfortunately. Mm. Oh, you know, uh, sorry. I, Freddy versus Jason is also a, uh, a black comedy, and that ugh, really doesn't succeed. Black comedy is always a fine line to toe, and I think we managed to do this pretty well. This is the, my, my favourite of the lot. This is probably, like, the first one I saw, and it's always stuck in my head. And I, Needless to say, I love the freaking soundtrack. There's mm. two songs on here. A lot of them are basic Alice Cooper stuff that you could find just about anywhere. Uh, he's back, The Man Behind the Mask, I think I want to say, is on the Constrictor album, which is really, really good. I quite like that one. But there's one song on here that was really, for the longest time, incredibly hard to find, and it's Hard Rock Summer, which is pl- what plays when they're when uh, Tommy's escaping from jail and has to hide mm-hmm. in the, 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 the car. I think it's the song. That oh, yeah, there. and she's like, oh, just put your head down between my legs, and we get, like, a crotch shot there. Luckily, she's wearing jeans. three, I think. Yeah. 
They but, keep cutting back to that. But the fact that Tommy's not like going, Ugh, but he's like, oh my god, I'm going to get caught by police at that point. But she seems to be having more fun than he is, and that, she's also a, uh, she's a good sport and she's a great fun uh, companion and actually more proficient than him several times. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I just generally love this. And like mm. I said, like with the kills, they 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 do the right over the top nature of it. Like the uh, there's the scene in the the RV where Jason has somehow snuck into the RV. They're oh, terrorizing yeah. down the road. There's the girl in the back, the guy driving. The girl's trying to make her way up the moving RV. Jason grabs her, pulls her into the bathroom, and slams her head into the side of the the RV. Now, if this had been a modern horror movie or something, you'd see yeah. the head splatter. Yeah. No. Cut to the outside of the van, and this full-on cartoon-style face imprint appears. Bingo. I, t- I highlighted that exact same moment to Sharon and said, if this was just a gruey, horrible horror movie, then it would be like, I want to see this girl's head actually rupture. Whereas this was like, boing. And uh, I don't know why that makes it more than acceptable and actually genuinely agreeable as a movie. But it because it's like, come on, guys, let's all have some fun, as opposed to being genuinely sadistic... It, it feels like we're all in on the joke as opposed to it's silly, it being uncomfortable. It's we're here to watch people's eyes get broken open. Yeah. Also, also, isn't this the one that starts out with the bomb parody as well? Yeah. Oh, that- God, that's great. Yeah, no, that's that's what had me. Like He stabs, like Tommy Jarvis, completely ignoring, by the way, the entire ending. And in fact, let's face it, the entire fifth film... <laughs> Um, Tommy We're Jarvis. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen. Pretty much, yeah. Just goes like, just let's. That's not Jason. That doesn't count. Who could count. possibly care? And we already know that, like, this can't. Like the ending of five, the Tommy Jarvis in this is so bland it can't be him because he doesn't have PTSD or anything. He's just a teenage He's just boy. A, from the sounds of things, a bad played by a twenty-eight-year-old boy. Yeah, a bad luck <laughs> like kid jump who's ended up with, with people thinking that he's um, yeah. no good. And um, so yeah, he goes in. He's got to finish off Jason. He's obsessed with the idea that like Jason's still alive down there. He stabs him with like a a, a, a fence railing, and then the, the lightning storm above them goes. Well, I'll see about that. And resurrects Jason by striking him with lightning. And it's like that's about as much science as we need right now. It's, and you. it's a clear nod to Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah, and there, it it's acknowledging that, uh, that, that, that there is a definite similarity that sort of grew over time between the, the monster and uh, Jason himself. And um, this is, uh, honestly, if you've never seen a Friday the 13th at all, and like what we're talking about here sounds like too much to watch all of them, just get six. It's not yeah. actually that expensive. It's a lot less like intensive on your time and, and wallet to, the, to watching all of them, which just generally makes you feel a bit seedy. Yeah, no, six, six is the one. Yeah, six is by far and away is, is the one to go to. It's also a short watch. It's only about mm-hmm. 87 minutes. And so it's fly by as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so far after two the least unacceptable. Oh, does this is this the one where Jason has a line as well? He goes into the the uh, yes, cabin full a of cabin kids, full of kids, and he leaves them alone. And he looks at them and he glares at them, and then he decides like I don't. It's left unclear as to whether he would have killed them if he hadn't been disturbed. No, it's if he I've definitely read, leaves them fine. He according to the director, I read this later. I was like, oh, cool. gory or something later on. It's an intentional decision to show that Jason only kills teenagers and mm. adults he doesn't adults on paintball games kids. yeah yes well, he's, oh, he's, <laughs> unlike freddy yeah um, that's the thing that's what made freddy versus jason really gruey and yeah. disgusting mm. continue um the the idea that he sees some spark of himself in them which they kind of 
emphasised in four and then hint at here that, that that innocence and that naivety, he can't hurt them because that would be hurting himself. Mm. Speaking of which, Neil, um, now that, like we were saying when we were doing the Nightmare on Elm Street series, when they bring back Freddy, like, make it with kids and have these kids have to defeat Freddy, like little kids, like 12 years old. And I then think in a, the meantime. I think there's a film come out recently that might have um, yeah. taken that concept quite, and done quite well with in it. In the meantime, uh, Stranger Things and um, It have come out uh, and, and have been super super popular and successful uh, at this point like if they bring back nightmare on elm street and they aren't doing that and they, maybe even just make it an 80s period piece they are missing major bucks uh, but but get in someone smart and savvy to write it someone who's you know in t- like diablo cody do you ever see jennifer's body the interesting thing there is i agree with the idea and uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but Robert Engel just come out and says, look, I'm not going to play for it again. I'm too old. I don't blame the guy. It takes like somewhere between four to six hours to put the makeup on. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. He actually had a very interesting suggestion. Mm-hmm. Make Freddy a woman? Oh, Kevin Bacon, I think it was was his suggestion to play Freddy Krueger. Oh, nice. That would be okay. Uh, but although for, for Kevin Bacon has actually played a genuine kiddie fiddler in The Woodsman. So yeah. it's as, as with Jackie L. Haley, who's also played a kiddie fiddler. It's like at a certain point, you kind of want um, an actor who's never played a kiddie fiddler before and never will again. And you make it although, <laughs> 9, 10, never will again. Like your, strange enough, I quite like your idea of gender flipping the role. That would be a different way of taking Frida it. Frida Krueger. Um, okay, right. But, like, make it that he is a child, he or she is a child killer, but feeds off their fear, has no particular interest in them sexually. I mean, basically, like, that, it's always been that anyway. Mm. It's, he's always needed to make them afraid anyway. Yeah. So it's not like you're stealing from it. If anything, it is stealing from this, because it came out after the original Friday. And yeah. the other thing, and this is one of the major things that disappointed me, especially with the, 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 the Nightmare remake, is you need to make those dream sequences trippy as all hell. Oh, yeah. We no got one's ever really done that. Yeah, they sometimes in some of the later ones, like Dream Warriors and Dream Masters, they like they 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 kind of unhinged it a bit. But um, yeah, no, that you with what you can do now, there's ways to make Freddy also very distinct from Pennywise as well. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can forge that one. But I do think that the idea of resourceful kids, there's the significant difference I think between um, Freddy and and Pennywise and his various incarnations is that Freddy is kind of a manifestation of, of stranger danger. Mm. It's it's not sort of the myriad Cthulhu-like chaotic fears that can overtake you. It is a very specific fear that you have been cautioned against, mm. but not given the full story about. So part of the part of what makes him so terrifying is the idea that um, that you don't have enough information with which to defend yourself. Mm. Actually, as well, don't make it an eighties period piece. We got plenty of them already. 90s period piece <laughs> no one makes things set in the 90s we didn't get much of anything fantastic in the 90s apart from the simpsons and independence day uh, and jurassic park and probably about terminator 20 other things. yeah terminator <laughs> so we got some really great stuff but who people really were in the 90s was never really well represented in the media there was always this very clean cut even robocop 2 is like a bit too squeaky clean uh, mm. even though it's it's even more gruesome than the first one so there's a way of conveying what the real 90s was actually like to a lot of kids. Mm. And, you know, now that, like, certain people are reaching that age, there's there's not enough 90s nostalgia. Use that rather than trying to get in on a very crowded 80s market. 
you know. Because this is what kills those nostalgic markets is when everyone does it. And you can also make it, it's the 90s, no one's scared of Freddy anymore, you know? Yes. Like, make it, uh, was... this, uh, the orig- make it, in fact, like the original Nightmare on Elm Street definitely happened, and but don't necessarily acknowledge all none the rest of them. Mm. Yeah, none He's of the now a figure of fun rather than a, yeah. uh, a figure was, of was it? And like I said, they actually have two ways of conveying the 90s. They could convey the way the 90s really were, or they could repurpose the 90s we remember from movies and TV the same way that Stranger Things does, repackaging a version, a heightened, stylized version of the 80s. That way you don't have to have been there to appreciate it, you can just have watched films from the 90s. I feel like the second one would be more profitable and fun. But the first one might be more interesting. Anyway, let's get on with number seven of the Friday the 13th, a.k.a. the newish blood, a.k.a. Jason versus not Freddy, a.k.a. Jason versus Carrie. Yes, that's the one that most people call it, Jason versus Carrie. Yeah. This is the one you've been waiting for. What's happening to me? Your psychokinesis and these delusions. No, you're not listening to me! The one you've been asking for. Hey, (laughs) Tina. Isn't this the way they wear their jackets back in the mental hospital? Concentrate! Concentrate, Tina! The one you've been dying for. You people give me the creeps. Okay, you big hunk of a man, come and get me! Jason Ah! is back. But this time, someone is waiting. Friday the 13th, part 7. The new blood. Now, I thought they're changing things up a bit. Psychic girl, that's okay. Well, I'm fine with that. By the end, as with all of the other times they changed it up a bit, I was like, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's terrible. It's awful. It didn't run with its concept very well. It really didn't. She's not. I mean, uh, there's nothing to her for a start. There really isn't, is there? I mean, if you're going to do Carrie. Do carry. Have the strength of your convictions. She's not really messed up, and she's not got much of a personality, and there's no real, like, there's no character development. That thing about her dad is actually quite a good idea. Mm. But they don't really do much with it. Carol Ann at the beginning runs out uh, to uh, a boat, gets on the boat, and goes out into Crystal Lake. And her dad runs to the jetty and goes, "No, don't, don't drive off in a boat. I'm sorry about whatever." Which is oh, that, like not saying what it is he's sorry about actually makes it more disturbing. And then um, she uses her psychic powers to bust the jetty underneath him, dropping him into the lake and thus drowning him. And then it traumatizes her. And then we cut to like 10 years later. So this psychic girl then goes and hangs out with a bunch of friends, all of whom get killed. And at the end, like that's 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 the film. Yeah, it's so boring. Is that the one where the girls like your wallet is so big and bulgy that there's I just a, there's yes, it is. That's the one with yeah. that, which is terrible. But the there's a subplot here that doesn't get used at all, and it's that the the, um, the psychotherapist or the the um, psychiatrist mm. that for some strange reason she and her mother have gone on holiday with mm-hmm. is unbeknownst to her mother using her and actually trying to um, y- to manipulate her trauma to make her psychokinetic abilities stronger because I don't know why. He Again, this sounds a like a better it's, movie it's, than it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's probably some sort of weapon research, I guess. But, but it's Firestarter. Yeah, it's Firestarter. Yeah. It's hinted at in about 
two sentences and nothing else is ever done with it apart from the fact that at the end it means her mother's got a reason to be angry at the psychiatrist there is literally no reason for that subplot to be there she's got a double reason the psychiatrist bungles the time when she and she and he meet jason and uh, uh, we hate movies classified this as an assist he actually helps jason (laughs) with his ineptitude (laughs) to kill his girlfriend Oh, God. So she's got a double reason to have a vendetta. Anyway, that all comes to nothing. And Psychic Girl goes, ah, and, like, tries to kill Jason with fire and this, that, and the other. How, okay, how was this going to be Nightmare on Elm Street? This is the other Sorry, thing uh, as well. Freddy versus Jason. Neil, you've got to explain this. This is the most powerful final girl there's ever been. She still yep. has to be rescued by a man because her father pops out of the water at the last minute and drowns Jason. Yeah. Uh, I don't the, the whole Freddy Jason thing I, they didn't even get to agreement so there was nothing written by this oh, point well um, I, honestly maybe this was like a spec script or something that got mutated into uh, was Jason that there, was it was this the one where oh yeah that was two it two people two in, pe- a, in a production studio's corridor running down the, cor- the hallway with a script in hand they bumped into each other all the pages fell on the floor got mixed they got up. mixed in they together they bound them all together and ran off with two bundles <laughs> the other film never got made <laughs> but this is one film about a psychic girl and one film about Jason <laughs> And they just don't mix. And like, like I said, at the end, the, her dad pops up out of nowhere and drags Jason back down to the bottom of the lake, which is kind of a nice ending in a kind of, you didn't see that coming. But it's a kind of like, of course we didn't see that coming because it just couldn't happen. Like, at the same yeah, time, it, like, it could because of the, Jason. But, like, he's not even rotted. It's weird because, obviously, with Jason Lives, it takes that turn into the proper supernatural mm. horror but we've not really set up many... We, we, they're trying to set up a world where other uh, supernatural-type things yeah. can happen. But, yeah, you, you basically have versus Carrie, which, by all rights, Carrie should flatten the floor with Jason. Oh, yeah. Jason is, is just is Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Mm. There's nothing particularly special about him. He, I suppose, apart from, you know, regeneration of super He can take teleportation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she can take him to bits in seconds. If nothing else, all she's got to do is pull all those worms out of him and the last few things that are holding him together yeah. will be gone. Rip the head off, rip the arms off, but she's got no skill is the thing. But again, mm. they, they failed to develop this. And it would have been better. And I, again, I, I came up with a better ending on the spot three seconds after we saw it happen. Wouldn't like no psychic powers at all make it just about the this girl and her dad and like um, it's her fault that he fell into the lake. At some point uh, in the middle of the film, you see someone crawling out of the lake and you think that it's Jason, and then like the, her dad like kind of appears at the end as a zombie and drags Jason back under, and you like just that he saved his daughter and the, the idea being that Crystal Lake is cursed and it has something in it which basically means if you die in Crystal Lake you stay in your body or you don't die properly mm-hmm. but it's mysterious and never answered and that's the ending and that's a better ending yep. by far than what we got which is basically the same thing yeah, yeah. and I think that there is sort of an implication towards the beginning that she uses her psychic abilities to try and reach her dad Yeah, and she misses and hits Jason by that's mistake it, yeah. and it's her that's woken him up any more on seven seven falls into sort of five and three territory of, uh, yeah it happened I can't remember really much what happened but it happened it's my it's second there. to least favourite this one there's only one more which is worse than this one for me um, 
and I haven't talked about it yet. Okay, number eight, a.k.a. Jason doesn't take Manhattan, no, a.k.a. Doesn't. Jason takes Canada, a.k.a. <laughs> Jason takes a boat. Jason on a boat. <laughs> yeah, he's on a boat. What each of these films needs is to have incredibly memorable kills. You know, remember all of those uh, fatalities in Mortal Kombat? Yes. Like, like, fa- like kills that distinguish themselves to that particular film. Because, mm. like, they blur into one another. But also, very specifically, to be memorable, they have to be of a, a tone and a level that people want to see and don't mind seeing again and again. And ultimately, it, it, by this point, I, I they're telegraphing the kill coming up so, so much. I was just closing my eyes. I, I was just I don't want to see these anymore. Was this the one where we were just chatting away about something else that like we were talking about, the shopping list, while people were being stabbed? And like, it just was having no impact. That sounds about right, yeah. I think yeah. it was that to an extent with Nine as well. Which reminds me, I've got to do the shopping. Shopping. Yes, we do want to do the shopping. Yeah. Although we could technically do it tomorrow. Could we tomorrow? Before one. Before one, yeah. Yeah, okay. but it's still, I'd rather not wow. leave it till that. To that. Tight. I would say we should do it tonight. Mum and Dad are coming around about 11-ish. Okay, we'll do it before then. <laughs> right. Sorry, so <laughs> number... This is how intense this is the, how we are the machete kills are when we're watching Friday the 13th. Yeah, no, so, that was a great way of summing up that particular one. Yeah. <laughs> When's Mum and Dad coming around? Yeah, it's just like the, this thing is like, is it over? Okay, it's over. Let's go. Um... So number eight, Jason doesn't take Manhattan. It's it's got like it starts with this kind of like see the streets and New York and the smack boys and they're all shooting up and this is Times Square and this is New York. Right, we'll see this at the end and then it cuts back to Crystal Lake or somewhere else and they're getting on a boat and it's not New York at all. And this is your choice. You can live in the woodlands where Jason will kill you, or you can come to New York where something else will kill you. A bunch of kids get on a cruise. One of them's Joan Jett. Jason goes straight after her and kills her. With her own electric guitar. That was yeah. quite insulting. And he like throws that one kid on the oven or the, 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 the fryer and yeah. he just burns up just like mean. a crispy critter. Mm. I mean, this was better than seven. Um, and there's very good, like, there's a good reason why. This film is rubbish, to me at least. But, like, once they get to the end and they're running around through corridors and, and, like, tunnels underneath Manhattan and New York, allegedly, there's a lot of, like, like you know, Jason's walking after them, you know, like, slowly but steadily, like, he's this sort of dominant, like, force of death, a specter's just sort of following them, and a, a, a young man and a young woman running through tunnels, and the camera's keeping pace with them. This one was directed by uh, Rob Hedden and written by Rob Hedden. And I'm going to say right now that Rob Hedden likes him some Terminator. You think? Yeah. It's got that Terminator feel at the end. And so it elevates itself above all the other ones because it feels more like a real movie. A lot of the other ones don't even feel like movies. They feel like parodies of movies. Absolutely. And I think that's probably why when I saw it, I liked it. Because it did remind me a little bit of Terminator. Yeah. So it's uh, kind of more credit to the Terminator than this film, but uh, yeah. And at least this one does get at least one memorable kill. Um, can't remember which one. <laughs> Rooftop punching head off. Oh yeah, that's the one. He's, he's fighting that guy who's a boxer, and the guy's just like punching and punching and punching and punching and punching at Jason. He's just like pounding him on the hockey mask, and Jason's taking it all. And he's like, 
Come on. And he's exhausted. Give me what you got. And Jason just goes, Ugh. whap, and knocks his head clean off like a polar bear would. I was just thinking, actually, did I see this before or after I saw Terminator? But no, because although it came out in 1989, I wouldn't actually have seen it until it was on TV. Yeah, you'd have had to sneak this one late at night. Your mum wouldn't have let you watch this. No, and it used to take at least three to five years for things to come out on TV in those days. So it must have been about 93. Mm. Also, um, Kane Hodder has been Jason for two films at this point. Like He's he's in seven and eight, and he's got a, a real frame to him in this one. This is the first one where Jason obviously breathes. Like yes. he's going. <sighs> and it's like maybe the director told him, like, breathe with it, you know, like, really look like you're really gearing up for this. Kane Hodder's one of the people that actually tried to do somewhat of a performance as best he could with the, with the yeah, character because it's what he a had. very. Bl- yes. There's not a lot he could do. There wasn't, but there's a scene in this that I absolutely love, and it's when they actually get to Manhattan mm-hmm. and they're walking around on the streets. Is it the billboard? It's the no, no, no. It's the bit with the teenagers with the with the um, boogie box. Oh and god, they're, yes. They're listening. To, they're like these punk kids that clearly think they own New York. Yeah. And you just see the back of Jason's head, and he takes the hockey mask off. You don't see a thing as the audience, but these kids are basically staring into this worm-ridden visage of doom, and they're just the chins just drop and then they're like no we're, we're not even going to go there you missed out the first, the second beat of that joke Jason's walking along the kids are listening to the boombox and Jason just kicks the boombox and smashes it <laughs> you kids today and your music again that's a real callback to those early days of you teenagers with your rock and and or roll yeah <laughs> and uh, also the whole like Jason turns around and shows them his mask I, I couldn't not think what do you think of this <laughs> you like it yeah. From Beetlejuice. Absolutely. Um, Which y- gives Jason a little character. Yeah, this, I mean, this is slightly... Uh, also, Jason's really wet and gooey in this one. Mm. He's a disgusting, like, zombie from a swamp. Yeah. But also, like, this is the one that begins with that girl hiding and going, No, please, no, no! Well, he kills her with a tiny toasting fork. Yeah, he what? kills her with a toasting fork. It's like, how did that whole saying no, please, no thing work out for you? And, like, this is just after her boyfriend has stared dully at Jason for about six minutes while Jason slowly walks towards him and then spikes him. Like These are the worst teenagers. It's such a th- I think it, it is actually a harpoon gun, but it's like a harpoon for getting fish or something. It's so mm. thin and so tiny and the speed with which he kind of moves it towards her, she could literally reach mm. out and snap it off. But also because of the amount of back and forth and Tommy Jarvis aging and that, uh, like according to the timeline, this like happened after 2001. <laughs> It's in this weird parallel timeline where the twin towers are still standing at the beginning. It's uh, it's, it's creepy. And um, if then, it's a, if it's a weird alternate timeline, could this be the same timeline as Maniac Cop? And then we could see Jason versus Maniac Cop. Because I just, well, I just like to see Kane Hodder versus the Chin of Robert Zadar. Yeah, I, I would be fine with watching that. I suppose I've never actually seen a single Maniac Cop. Uh, one and two are okay. One Three. and two are okay. Three, not so much. Hang on, what but you will always remember the chin of Robert Zadar in it. You, we were talking about it with you recently. Oh, it was uh, Samurai Cop. He was in Samurai Cop. <laughs> no, he was the bad guy in that. I haven't seen Samurai Cop. Oh man, I think you'd like it. It's it's an anar. It's uh, it's not as funny as the room, um, but uh, it's 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 kind of hilarious. It's it's also really grotty. Like it's it's really sleazy at times, but um, no, it's, it's it's entertaining. And there's these like really 
awesome cutaways to the, the samurai cop's partner who's just like, ooh, and like he's like he is super reactive to everything everyone says. He's like, ooh, I like that all the time. This eighth one, Jason Takes Manhattan, again has one of those weirdly sympathetic to Jason endings. He gets unmasked, and it's in tunnels that they flood, and he's kind of drowned again, and yelling in frenzied pain. And frankly, it would have and probably should have been the last Jason film. You know, it was the end of the 80s, Jason had pretty much run his course, and killed about as many teenagers in fun ways as you can kill without just iterating on a theme each time. And unlike the Halloween films, there was no Laurie Strode in the better ones to have a character developed because they dropped Tommy Jarvis way earlier. But there were four more to date, including Freddy vs. Jason, which we mercifully don't have to talk about again because that's on the Nightmare on Elm Street show. Horror has many faces. Death wears many different masks. But pure evil wears only one. And this is your final chance to see it. Jason goes to hell the final Friday. Number nine, the first (laughs) New Line production. Just utter, utter crap. It's Jason without Jason, but with Jason. It's called Friday the 13th, Part 9, Jason Doesn't Go to Hell, Not the Final Friday. And it was made in 1993, one year out of New Nightmare. Yeah, this is sort of where we went through the trend of, let's kill all our 80s monsters. Yeah. Like, this will be revolutionary, we'll kill them, and then we'll talk about them in the abstract, like they're these Kandarian demons. Literally, in the case of uh, Jason, because they bring in the Necronomicon, as you said. Yes, they, that is not a joke, folks. And uh, I'll probably mention it at the end, but let's say there's a comic book that takes it to its natural extreme. So this would be Ash versus Freddy versus Jason, yeah? Yes. What happens <laughs> in be this? Because uh, how the hell could Ash defend himself against these two knife-happy maniacs? Um... Yeah, it's... It There's only so quickly. many shells you can put in your boomstick. Uh, we'll put it this way. At one point, I believe Freddy takes over the world. Oh, that, that'll be why. And it's all Ash's fault. It's a bit fault. weird. Right. So, but, I mean, Friday the 13th, Part 9. First off, Jason is on the FBI's most wanted list, and he gets caught in a sting and blown the fuck up by a SWAT team. like With a mortar, I believe. Yeah, they, they go, boom, and they blow him sky high. And then there's a, like, his bits get sent to various morgues, and this one guy, the mortician, like, holds up the beating of the hideous heart, and he's like, now that looks like a heart I could chow down on, and eats it, and, like, the essence of Jason goes into him, and already it's like, we're in what-the-fuck town. It's basically Jason the Body Swap Adventure. Yeah, it's like a really crap version of uh, Fallen, that uh, film with uh, Denzel Washington, which is really good. Which is very good, actually, yes. The thing about Azazel in Fallen, he talks. He sings. He's a stalking Robert Mitchum type. He'll he'll freak you out on purpose. Whereas Jason, not very articulate. A fairly blunt instrument. It doesn't work in this context. Mm. 
the concept sounds interesting to you put it into practice and like you said you're 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 making a character who does not speak biggest mm. thing about him doesn't talk and body swapping him yeah it, it never feels work. like any of these guys basically the jason forces inhabiting are jason like you no. know like kind of like without the hockey mask i can't even really feel like jason with a pillowcase is jason in uh, mm. in the second one, it's it's it, it just feels like I actually kind of really feel sorry for this guy, as uh, the 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 camp counselor says. You know, you kind of he's just been wandering in the woods, lost without a mother for all that time. But then, like he keeps proving over and over again that he's a nasty piece of work. So you're like, you know what? Limited sympathy, Jace. It, it's weird because this is a film that you basically see Jason at the start and at the end, and that's yeah. it. Jason and it feels Jason. like the only actual defined character in the whole of this film mm. is Stephen Williams who is X was he X in X-Files? He was uh, the second informant. Oh is he the guy who's like I'll hunt Jason like, that you get the head the yeah. tail the whole damn thing and I'm like dude you don't you dare quote Jaws in this piece of crap <laughs> oh they dare they yeah. really dare um, but he's literally the most memorable thing because it's like what film are you in? It's just like you watch that character I don't know what film you're in but it doesn't feel like you should be in this one because this one doesn't know what it wants to be it feels like it wants to be a body horror but also a bit of a comedy but it's not a very good comedy yeah it's also raises far too many questions that it shouldn't raise you know it's like okay so you've blown jason up and obviously he's some incarnation of evil that somehow convinces a uh, a guy in a morgue to bite and eat the heart, mm-hmm. which then he goes on a killing spree, and every time the bodies wear out, he jumps bodies. It, what? Yeah. It's like, we want to keep it a mystery, but in a really, really lazy way. It, this is the kind of not playing ball with the rest of the series so hard that you're going to get written out of canon in the end. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I would imagine that a lot of Friday the 13th like purists don't even observe this one. Some do, some don't. I think the biggest reason this manages to clutch onto canon is the final ten yeah, seconds. Yeah, the, the Freddy bit. Yeah, the Freddy bit. Literally, that but, is it. So, like you know, it, they bury Jason. You can see his hockey mask get sort of dug up by a dog, and then uh, Freddy's glove like snatches it down, and and it goes. Ah, <laughs> it's like Freddy versus Jason coming in nearly ten years. <laughs> And boy, will you be disappointed. Yeah. However, we will try and do something in the meantime to keep you occupied. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing is, Jason Goes to Hell is right there on that poster. It's the name of the film. This film is not set in hell. There's nary any allusion to it. This is straight up false advertising. Uh, like, here's the like the premise of jason the, the like the mind of jason being trapped in an ephemeral dimension and really getting going into what he wants what the way he sees the world that could potentially be interesting if not fascinating like just in terms of a slasher if you're going to get in there you know and they they also had this premise sort of set up in uh, jason x later on when he's got he was on the hollow deck yes but Neither film really explore what would Jason be like. What would Jason in Hell be like? The trouble is, I think the the concept of seeing trying to to understand the killer. They tried that, and it was poorly executed and done by a hack director. In the year you spent far too long doing it, and that is another remake uh, by Rob Zombie, which is the first Halloween where they try Zombie. to explain why michael myers is the way he is and it just flops 
I think it's one of those that might be an always an interesting concept where execution would be be awkward and it would be probably what a lot of the audiences wouldn't want. Yeah. You know, when you come to the nightmares, the Halloweens, the Freddies and stuff, we're ingrained to expect a certain type of film. Hmm. So if you try and twist that, it doesn't quite work. Or it's poorly, poorly done as well a lot of the time. So, so yeah, I mean, this one's my dead last. It, it's so rubbish. It's not even a Friday the 13th film. There's a bit where there's like a guy's head gets chopped off and a little demon goes nyah, 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 out of his, his body. And it's like, if that had been the whole way through it, like I saw Ghoulies the other day and there's quite a lot of nyah, nyah, nyah in that. And that was like super amusing to actually watch. I attacked by Boglins. <laughs> yes, I actually quite prefer Ghoulies 2 myself. But... Oh, I haven't seen Ghoulies 2. I, I would like to see Imagine, your two Ghoulies. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to bypass that joke completely. Thank you. I'm going to say, imagine the craziness of Ghoulies, Mm. but it takes place at a carnival. Okay. Or a fun fair, if you want. There's this sort of thing, but if that happens at the 11th hour of the film, like it's been climbing into everyone else through the mouth, and then there's this fallen waitress, and it climbs into her through her nethers, and it's like, and it had to be that, and it had to be a woman, and it had to be, you know, filmed thusly, and... It, you're, you're just rotten people. Yes, not as rotten as tubes, people. don't you know? Yes, it's it, not as rotten as the people who made the latest Saw films, but yes, definitely rotten. Um, the whole premise of that is Jason wants to be reborn, and he can only be reborn through the body of a Voorhees, and apparently the woman in was a Voorhees, and yeah, I stopped caring because yeah. 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 yeah, I got they bored. They didn't explain that very well, I might just We missed say. it the whole way through. We listened to, we the, uh, to the We Hate Movies on it. Yeah. And they were talking about the fact that this this woman is, like, the daughter of Jason's the sisters of, sister that yeah. we never met before. And I was just like, really? That was in it? I never got that. Yeah. No, it's it's rubbish. And, and like, uh, honestly, like, Jason at his most Jasoniest in number six... Uh, you know that that's the like, the pinnacle of the series, and then the very least would be Jason at his least Jasoniest, mm, which is which this. Is this. Um, I'd take this over the remake. Oh really? I actually preferred the remake to this. There were certain I, bits of the I remake really that creeped me out. Remake. Yeah, I can understand, and we'll get to that in very shortly. In the year 2455, on a routine training mission, a team of students is about to discover a life form frozen in time. Wow. They're on their way back. Prepare for docking and power of the lab. You brought them on board? Everything's under control, man. What the hell is going on? Jason Voorhees, that's what's going on. He's an unstoppable killing machine. Ah! Guys, it's okay. He just wanted his machete back. How do we get off the ship? I don't know. Look, we're gonna be all right. What? Are you high? Uh oh. I think we're finally okay. What the hell is that? You've gotta be kidding me. Oh, wow. He's been modified. Oh, you think? You guys might wanna run. Yes, yes, Drowning Pool. I love this era of filmmaking. Early 2000s. Best soundtracks ever. (sighs) Number 10, a.k.a. Friday the 13th Part 10, 
Jason X, aka Jason, Jason <laughs> in space. It, we've run out of run out of ideas. Let's go to space, and you know what? I don't care. I love this one. I Not as much as six, why. but I generally love this one because it just takes the rip. Yeah. It's, it a, it's like a shonky 90s, early 2000s, terrible CGI, like, like just blitheringly stupid, but at the same time, knowing that mm. uh, and kind of having fun with it. I, I, I don't like it as much as you, but, um, but I, I at least approved of the fact that it knew it was a comedy, and so that's what it, oh. it ran it's with. It's like Jason meets Futurama. No, that's <laughs> a terrible disservice to Futurama. No, it, it, actually, technically, it's more Jason meets Andromeda. Uh, no, I don't mean Mass Effect. I mean the uh, huh. short-lived television series because of Lex Durg and oh, I've got a name now. Oh, the one that plays the android. I don't know. Oh, oh that's where I know her from. Yes, because it's literally a role reversal. Uh, in Andromeda, Lex Durg plays an android, mm-hmm. and the lady that plays the android in this plays Becca, yeah. the human captain, and they flip roles. I thought they both looked really familiar, and I was sat there thinking, have they been in a Star Trek? Mm. Kind of. Um, the, 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 there are two really amusing kills in this, aside from like the, the fight between the, uh, the android and Jason is, is kind of fun in a kind of like, it's, it's rubbish martial arts. Like, and really attempting to take off the Matrix yeah. really badly. But it's, it's like, it's action by way of like a, a 13 year old 90s comic book reader, like developing the action, you know, off the top of his head and saying, could she do this? And she goes, yeah, I suppose I could do that. And then she sort of does it. And like that that's basically the amount of, of majesty of this actual fight. And then she spends the rest of the film as a head. As a head. And you just know that the level of effects in mm. this, she's kneeling off screen yep. with her head thrust through the crook of the arm of the guy who's always carrying her. And I'm fine with that. Probably better than an awful CGI head or an yes. awful animatronic head. This is very true. But um, I don't like the one with the lady who gets her face dunked in the... Liquid nitrogen. Yeah, I can understand that. That is horrid. That is horrid. The the two good ones. That one oddly feels out of place. It's Mm. too violent for what it's trying to do. It really does. Yeah. Um, But uh, like, there's actually quite a good like series of texts. Like, she's on. He's on the operating table. She cuts off his mask and is like, "Oh, don't cut off the mask." He likes that mask. And then like, it's really tense. It's like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" Then it cuts to some people and they have this weird kinky sex. And then it cuts. To some other people, and they have some less kinky sex, and it's like, hang on, wasn't there this tension bit? And then it cuts back to that scene. It's like you could actually have just rearranged the edit of that so that that tension then culminates in that murder without cutting away to anyone, which drains all the tension away from the scene. That's such incompetence. It's okay. He just wanted his machete back. Yeah, stab, stab. But uh, then actually, that's a okay. cutaway that, that you never see. What happens yeah. to that guy? Yeah, that's the you just hear the scream. That that's why that the it's a memorable kill because it's memorable for the wrong reasons. It's mm. hyper violent for the rest of the film because yeah. like one of the other kills is actually kind of funny where they run into the guy, one of the mercenaries who's mm. been dropped on the big giant screw, and he goes, "Such and such just got screwed." It's like, yeah. oh my god, is this an eight? This is a terrible line for an eighties action movie. Well, this film, uh, as you can tell, I actually do like this one. Mm. Um, has the most random cameo ever. Yeah. David Cronenberg. Oh, yeah, he's at yeah. the beginning as, like, that weird doctor guy. Mm. Yes, because... They... Right, back he's... me up on this one, Neil. He is blatantly trying to do Dr. Chilton from Silence of the Lambs, yes? Yes. Yeah, there Thank you go. You. 
Uh, it's really weird because you know how we established in the Ghost to Hell that the FBI are aware of Jason. Now everybody's aware of Jason because he's in this weird prison, a prison just for him. And one, somebody wants the, the doctor, the, the, the David Cronenberg wants to turn him in a wep- into a weapon for the army and stuff. It's like this is a bit weird, and lets you know that right. This is the kind of film we're in for. We're not taking any of this seriously because this is weird. Yeah, especially with uh, the fact that they. The holodeck kill, which I'm sure Alex would like to talk about. That's now. one of the only two good kills. Peter Mensa uh, is in this, uh, and you may remember him from 300. He's the one who turns up and goes, Earth and water, and Leonidas kicks him down that uh, well. Um, he's the one who, uh, like, Jason stabs him through a wall, and it's through his gut, and he goes, It'll take more than that to kill this old dog! And then Jason stabs him again through a slightly different part of his chest at the same time, and he goes, That'll do, That'll do it. It's <laughs> a great line. Um, and then there's the the holodeck bit where um, uh, like Jason like emerges under the holodeck and and he's at Crystal Lake and two girls in seventies ish uh, clothing uh, go hey we're gonna have premarital sex and drugs and then they get into sleeping bags and he like picks up both sleeping bags and then just thumps one against the other just over and over again yeah he uses basically he picks one up and beats the other one yeah. yes. It's, but they're, yeah. they're making like meow, meow, meow yeah. noises as he's doing it. Just to remind you folks, this is not violence against women so much as just this is how Jason's mind works. Mm, violence against sleeping bags. Violence uh, against cartoons. There's a, there's a scene at the beginning as well where um, one of the kids, when they've unearthed Jason, um, gets his arm cut off with the machete. Yeah. And... Like, in most of the other films, this has happened to somebody. And Mm. it's like, oh, my God, this horrible thing. He's going to bleed out and die. And he basically just picks up the arm and they give him some... They cauterize it. Super painkillers. And then he's, like, totally tripping the whole time. And they stitch his arm back on. Yeah. Yeah, this is... Wait, if you couldn't tell, this one's also a comedy. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, especially after... If you watch this after watching a really good movie, it would not fare well. But if you watched it after watching part seven, part nine, it fares well. Mm, yeah. It's it, it's very enjoyable. It's, it's definitely got more memorable moments in it as well, mm. um, for good and bad. Like, we get Jason X, so this is the... It's like a Terminator Jason. Jason. He, which is kind of funny, because he's far less frightening than Hockey Mask Jason. Well, yeah. I say that as I actually, on my shelf of figurines, I do actually have Jason X. Yeah. Quite, I like the design of it. It's an interesting idea, but it's so stupid. Yeah. Again, like, this this is why it feels like uh, 90s comics, because everything's riffing on the Terminator. Mm. Does he have a red eye? Yeah. He's got yes, red, red glowing eyes. Terminator eyes. And a metal arm. Yeah. And a metal T-1000. Like, he's got T-1000-ish bits on him, and also, like, uh, T-800 bits. It's... It's just it's everything all combined. Oh, um, if you want to, you want confusing from the comic books. I'll just mention this: there is a comic that is Jason X mm. versus yeah, regular Jason. Jason. Yes, I mean, once you're in Jason X territory, you may as well go hog wild at this stage. Well, let's. I mean, you want to talk about hog wild? The ending, how they kill Jason in this is is the most over the top I think that I have ever seen in any of the sort of the franchise ones because mm. most of the times try to keep it simple or at least interesting. No, how do we kill Jason in this one? We'll drag his ass into space and mm. the big hard space marine will surf Jason into the atmosphere of a planet. Thus burning up. And it's maybe one of the only ones which doesn't say at the end Jason might be back because it's like I mean like you see his mask underwater but it really does seem like he's dead this time. No. He's not 
Does he come back uh, in the comics? Uh, well, it's Earth, to fight we, his earlier self. He's, well, he's on Earth Two. All right. Oh, right. Ah, uh, I've got it. He reforms, uses his machete to hack a hole in the ozone layer, and then sits there to watch the Earth die. Yeah, he could do that. Um, okay, so All those sunbathing teenagers are scotched. But I mean, this film begins in hell, thus pretty much ignoring Freddy vs. Jason, which comes afterwards, but technically takes place beforehand in continuity. But then again, Jason, Freddy vs. Jason also kind of ignores the continuity of Nine in that Jason comes back from the dead and he's like a relatively full body. Do you remember? Mm. And also lost a lot of muscle mass. Yeah. Because they didn't choose Kane Hodder. All right. Okay. Um, well, yeah, we, we're not going to cover Freddy vs. Jason again. It's horrible. Been but, there, done that one. Yeah. The void. But, but yeah, no, that's... Jason X is, you know, does have its its certain charms to it, and and the fact that it's set on a space station does give it an identity, which a lot of the other ones don't yeah. have. It's it's silly, it's over the top, but it it does have some humour in it, and mm. I think yeah, it, it, uh, in parallel with six. In fact, I prefer it a bit to six. Honestly, um, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I just I like the the sort of slightly slick design. I like the fact that they they really run with the premise of this is daft and we are going to just go nuts with it they embrace it yeah. yeah it gets better as it goes along like it starts out what the fuck are they doing with this thing yeah and the final <laughs> girl is at least like begin like from the very beginning she's there and they're kind of trying to ellen ripley her they fail but you know ah, she's, she's that's another reason why the, the liquid nitrogen lady seems out of place yeah none of the other girls die until like really close to the end she's hanging around with all of them and it's like you know you've got all these spares at this stage <laughs> It's a dehumanising series. It's so funny because the whole you know you've run out of ideas when you go to space is so true because we have Jason X, which at least is fun. Believe it or not, the leprechaun went to space. Yeah. The critters went back to space. And just to break your heart, Hellraiser Bloodlines takes place. In space. Mostly on a space station. But for an excellent plot-involved reason. Interestingly, Aliens, when it reached its nadir and it got to its absolute worst, came from space and ended up in a sleepy small town. Yes, Alien versus true. Predator Requiems. That reminds me, is there a Jason versus Predator? It feels like the Predator would be seriously like out, like you know, he overarmed in this case. All he has to do is just throw his throwing discs at, at uh, Jason a couple of times, and he removes the head. Like I, I was saying while we were watching it, could someone please just chop off one of Jason's legs at the knee? Like, see how much he, how well he fares having to hop to get his kills. Just, like, stop trying to go for the chest. Don't even bother about the head and the neck. Just the knee. Just take out that leg. And they finally do it in this film. Unless you've played Mortal Kombat, no. Unfortunately, it isn't a Jason Predator. Oh, of course. Feels like, feels like they're missing a trick there. Yeah. It's a bit, yeah. Yeah, Mortal Kombat's uh, kind of like combining all of these dream characters with D- as DLC. Uh, seriously, yeah. uh, when, when are the Endeavor Arms just going to go, hey, we're going to do the horror movie beat em up, you know, f- fighting game? Because you know what? I bet that'd make some money. It would cost a lot with licensing, wouldn't yeah, it? I was oh, yeah. just thinking, though, if we're, if we're comparing the, uh, the 80s horror movie characters with the sort of original universal monsters plan. Yeah. Um, like if you were going to do a monster squad based on eighties movie maniacs, uh-huh. like Ooh. Freddie would be Dracula. He'd be the leader. Yeah. He's the only one who seems to have half a functional brain. Yeah. It, it, well, no, You've got to have him as the leader, but you've got to have Chucky as his, uh, as his star screen. Oh, as the Lord. 
Freddie and Chucky bickering. Yes, that yes. would be amusing. Beetlejuice turns up and it turns out he's no way near murderous enough to be in this club. Absolutely. Jason is your, your Frankenstein's monster who turns out to actually not be really all that evil right. at heart. Maybe he makes friends with the heroes somehow. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but then you win, surely, because this guy regenerates, so yeah. you win. And and Michael about Myers Pinhead? turns out to be... Uh, Pinhead. Pinhead's the How boss. Pinhead come into this? Pin- Pinhead's the guy that they got to work for, because he's, he's, he's the so only he's one... He's the Nick Fury? He's the string puller, yes, I like yes. it. He's got to be, because he's the only God. one that's technically a demon. Right. Okay. So, you you know, you're going to work for me. Or what? Or I'll tear your soul apart. And, and yes, Michael Again. Myers is one of the gang that went rogue and they all have to go after him. Oh, good lord. Okay. <laughs> um, and then at one point, Jason and Michael swap masks. And then everybody gets confused. <laughs> <laughs> but it's to, it's, to, it's to fool the villain at the end. Yes. Because one you know, of them's it, it, it mortal has, and the other one's not. It has to end with, like, whichever one sw- swaps eyes, you know, because they can't talk. They've just got to give the leader the finger at some point. You know, yeah. just going to give him the big old bird. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> let's finish off with Friday the 13th, 2009, the remake, writ- directed by Marcus Nispel, uh, written by Damien Shannon and Mark Swift. It's a very self-serious look at, at, the, at like a, a dangerous woodsman who uh, lives out uh, at Camp Crystal Lake and kills teenagers who come onto into his territory and like he kidnaps this one girl cuz she sort of reminds him of his mother cuz mm-hmm. like he's looked at a locket and she looks like Mrs Voorhees Did you know a young boy drowned here? He was my son. And today is his birthday. <laughs> You won't believe my parents' cabin. Here we are. Very nice, huh? Just get your ass to the door. I don't want to say Hey, I'm not from around here, but I'm looking for my sister. She's gone missing. Have you seen her? She ain't missing. She's dead. Missing around here, they're gone for good. There's something out there. We gotta get out of here. Come on, you guys. Oh my god. This place is called Camp Crystal Lake. Truly it is the age of the jump scare. Some teenagers kill up, turn up. He roasts one of them in a sleeping bag. Yeah, this is where we unfortunately see the influences of the more modern horrors. This is where I start to get a little annoyed at it. That that yeah. kill really pissed me off. That's a Noid. sore level kill. Nauseous. Uh, this yes. this one made me 
oh god I hated this yeah and like yeah there's this horrible like grotty teenage boy who's like keeps drinking uh, at one point he like drinks from his own shoe Mm. like you know Again, he's like the nerdy kid who can't relate to girls, and so he does gross things and pranks. And it's like, yeah, okay, we've seen this guy get massacred over and over again. What are they trying to say with this trope? Mm. But you see, this is the thing. I'd, for a lot of these films, I was sat there thinking, well, this is no good because they don't give you time to get to know the characters, so you don't really care when they get killed. Mm. And then when they have characters that I did get to know and did kind of like, I was like, oh, no, don't kill them. These, I did got get to know them. I hated them all, but I still didn't particularly want to see them cut to bits and uh, then at the end um one of them who's a brother looking for his sister finally finds her and they kill jason and they hang him from a chain and then they bring him back to the dock and they throw him in the water and then he comes back to life and kills them and it's like well what the fuck was the point of all that it's you know, in the fact that in the first one, it's like, oh, and it was all a dream, and she still got this horrible haunting thing haunting her. But like, you know, she's still alive. But in this, is like, and he killed them. The end. Sorry, carry on now. It's lazy. This is why I don't do horror films anymore because it's it's so lazy, and they don't even try. They just try and hit the. They try to hit the best bits of previous films without actually having any logical sense to them. Because they don't understand what it was that people liked mm. about them. They're trying also, to they, recreate something that they just don't get. Not just that. I think we passed the time where I think these particular killers are work anymore mm. but like they, they fall into let's explain some things like let's explain how jason can get around you know the, the camp crystal lake so quickly apparently he has a tunnel system mm. the reason for him killing the first group at the start of the film is because they he grows weed apparently what does he do with it yeah it's it's it, it, it's <laughs> Bates weird. teenagers with it it would appear oh my god the kills aren't particularly anything special or sometimes they're just nasty for the sake of being nasty that's why i, I really the film really annoyed me in the opening with the the, the sleeping bag kill because that was a torture kill mm. and jason doesn't do torture kills no the, he does kills but he doesn't do torture kills the bear trap as well the the guy who gets caught, his leg caught in the bear trap yeah. and then basically yep. has to because he can't get out of it without ripping his own leg off has to sit there and watch his girlfriend burn to death yeah yes that's sore that's eh. yeah or uh hostile yeah just yeah eli roth it, it just falls into that nasty oh. side of things yeah. Sorry. Uh, and it, again, like but, but it's done in a self-serious way rather than a, a, this is obviously a comedy. And like, I'm not saying it has to be a comedy to be an effective horror, but ultimately th- there's o- there's only certain ways that Jason works in an agreeable fashion. And it seems like he's he's shooting on all cylinders for us, at least, when it's either a Hitchcocky kind of, um, like, you know, ooh, let, let, less on the gore, more on the tension, or it's just batshit craziness. Mm. It doesn't work when it's like, yeah, this is serious look at this pain let's go really torture this girl yeah see this is what what really bothers me about those is the the hitchcocky stuff the i'm killing these teenagers because they years and years ago some people quite like them let my son die Mm. i'm going to um get away from this killer by wearing his mother's clothes and pretending to be her so that i can there's some psychology in that i'm gonna uh you know imitate an element of this this person as a child so that he won't hurt me Mm. those are the psychological elements that i really really like but the torture thing 
people who make those films, they think that's psychological horror. No, that's just not. pain. That's not the yeah. same thing at all. Mm. It's they, lazy. They do kind of incorporate that whole, um, you know, pretending to be his mother thing at the end of this very one. Mm. Um, it, it doesn't last, and it doesn't it's work. It's entirely passive. It's mm. the it, well, I'm, I'm going to do, <laughs> I'm going to do an allegedly, so I won't because Neil might not have seen it. But um, this is what annoyed Sharon about the end of Split. And in the case of the remake of Friday the 13th, they trade tension for sadism, humour for demanding to be taken seriously, surprises for jump scares, any inventiveness for a torturous specificity, character for grim darkness. It's repugnant and resplendent of most of the classic horror remakes from that period. It's The guy who directed this also did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. No wonder the kills were so ugh in this. Is this Platinum Dunes? Yes. Oh, Platinum Dunes can go and fuck themselves. Except in the case of The Purge series, which they also produce. Although he has done one film that I actually genuinely like. Mm Mm-hmm. Conan the Barbarian from 2011. We saw that again the other day. That's a lot gorier than I recall. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of fun. Um, okay, so uh, I'm going to rank mine. Uh, Sharon, yours are going to be kind of similar, but you'll have uh, uh, different um, like top ones and bottom ones. Uh, nine at the very bottom, Jason Goes to Hell. It is garbage. It's just it's so pointless to watch. It only confuses things. It doesn't establish anything. It wastes the premise of hell. It wastes the premise of killing Jason. It wastes the premise that Jason is, in fact, just a host body for a demonic force. I would have been fine with that if it had been well executed. It's not. It's one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. And I'm talking about horror movies here. It's garbage. Uh, n- second from the bottom, number seven, that's uh, the Jason new... Versus Jason versus Carrie. Just dross. Boring as shit. Uh, total wasted opportunity. Th- next up from that, three, the 3D one with the eyeball pop. Um, apart from that eye-, eye pop and the fact that he first picks up the hockey mask here... <laughs> Not much going for it for me. I think me. I'm, I'm with you on those so far. Those I was, so far three yeah. and seven are very similarly poor for yeah. me. I like that they had the premise for seven, but they wasted it so utterly that actually makes it a little bit worse. Yeah, that, that was the same for me. And also because the eyeball gag made me go, <laughs> in three, <laughs> which I didn't ever even go, <laughs> when we were watching seven. Mm. So uh, then the remake, because although it's crap and nasty, the actual Jason they've got is quite scary he's like this very like he's, he's got this iconic look going on mm. and also like he runs around and he's like he's not just the lumbering guy he just runs out the forest with the machete and also, that's scary it, it feels like a real film it has a script yeah. and they're acting and it's not fantastic it makes it worse but, that they squander it but it, yeah. it just it feels like there's more that affected me about that film than the other three below here yeah the, well, the content is horrible but at least the function mm. is is Adequate. But all four are garbage. Mm. Um, number five, after that, the the, the new... The, uh, is it the new blood? The new beginning. The one with Roy. Uh, and um, the, the whole, like, muddled premise over... Is it actually little Tommy Jarvis who's doing the killing? No, probably not. But yes, but no. <laughs> Make up your minds, guys. And in the end, the director of Six went, listen, I'm making up your mind for you. Sod all of that. 
after five eight uh, takes Manhattan for the Terminator feel to it. Uh, after that four for just the fact that Corey Feldman at the end really commits to the idea of being this gruesome little goblin child and hacks yeah. Jason's head almost off. He does. I I prefer eight to that one because I I like the end of four, but I don't like the rest of it. Yeah, I mean I don't like the rest of four either. So. Mm. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I prefer eight, eight to eight I to actually, four. Yeah. The, the thing with eight, and this was the thing I was kind—I'm of, going to stick by from when I saw it when I was a kid. At, at least I was engaged the whole way through. No, you know what? I still prefer four to eight because, like, standalone as a film, if you just go back, like, obviously we tend to review uh, and, and cover movies as they are now, not as they were then. You know, obviously, if a, if a movie's been buggered up in chronology since then, but then if you do that, then you have to apply that to how badly in chronology it's been buggered up by nine, all of the ones before that. Mm. So, but the actual end of four is troubling. The fact that t- Tommy ends up like, you know, it's it's not a nice happy ending, but not in a aha, Jason got you, but in a sort of, but look what you had to do to beat Jason mm. way. Yeah. And then uh, X after that, as in, because it's, you know, semi-hilarious at times and at least it you know get, gets its own identity it's set in space and then into the because no, now we're into the good ones um, two and then one and then six um, Neil what are your order oh I haven't particularly written them out but I'll go with uh, the remake being my least favourite understandable probably followed by Freddy vs Jason because at least that will make me chuckle a few times Oh, I forgot about Freddy vs. Jason. I, I put that below X, but above 4, because there are some really good bits in that. It's just, it's a hot... Like, ultimately, it's a horrible film. But I, I like the the fact that they kind of did blend the premises of both together. Like, uh, Probably if I'd seen it more recently, I'd go, no, that's even worse than all the rest of them, because it's, it's just so hot. Like, the, the, when that girl's being... Yeah, no, there's a girl who's unconscious, and she's being raped, and then... Jason kills her while she's being raped and kills her rapist, like thrusts his machete through both of them. But while she was being terrorized by Freddy in the boiler room, so like just before he can kill her, a machete goes through her chest and he's like, oh, that was my kill. Remember that one? Yep. I think I'd blocked that one from my mind. Yeah, sorry about that. That's horrendous. Maybe I won't even include Freddy vs. Jason because I can't adequately express how horrible that film is. Okay, so carry on now. Sorry. Going for my favourite is obviously Six. I love Six. Six is the one I recommend to people because it's just fun. It takes its. It knows what it is. It doesn't take itself seriously. Runs with it. So then Six before Six. And then it's X, because yeah. as my second, because I do enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. Then it's the first Friday for me. Yep. Then probably Jason Takes Manhattan. You've Eight. seen a theme here. It's mostly the funny ones that I'd prefer. Yep. Then we just get into the ones that I just don't bother with anymore. You know, I've done the watch them once and I've moved on. So it's like Final Friday, stuff like that. Mm. They're not ones I choose to revisit, but the top few are the ones that I do actively choose to go back and watch. And, and six is just a lot of fun for me. And mm. yeah, killer soundtrack too. We are not far off, actually, then. I think, All three of us. I think for me, it's basically, I actively enjoy one, six, eight, and most of ten. I like the ends of two and four. Everything else can go in a dumpster. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe this is why there isn't a box set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you have people in HMV going, right, I'll have that one, I'll have that one, I'll have that one, but the rest of them can go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trip these in your dumpster. I'm not, it's kind of, you do the the passage where you watch it, you watch them all, 
but then you just know this once you just aren't going to go back to either you don't like them because they're gruey or nasty like the case of the remake and jason and um, freddy jason or they just have concepts that they don't execute so well hmm. So that's the Friday the Thirteenth film series, and from the sounds of it, like unlike the like Nightmare on Elm Street, they're already talking about another reboot. But is it possible that the remake is the one thing that could kill Jason? Um, yes, no, because oh, they no. were trying to get another one off the ground, which sound had two concepts out of the ground. I was going to say <laughs> they were trying. Did they stick a metal spike in it and wait for a storm? That carry, would be the way to go. Sorry, carry on now. Uh, the, 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 the two concepts. One I liked. One I didn't like. One was they were going to try and do a found footage version of it. Which, oh. yeah. The other one was it's take place in the winter and have snow. Which yeah. is something we don't see in the Friday. Gives it its distinctiveness, but it, it needs to be more than just look. That here is a visual thing that makes yeah. it slightly different. Again, you've, it's now. I my problem with horror movies are either they're just nasty for the mm. sake of being nasty. Like like Sharon was saying, a lot of people the, the, where they do the torture kills now, it's not psychological horror. It's just nasty and gray. You're just trying to show off your special effects and make mm. people uncomfortable. I don't like that. I don't enjoy that. I turned Hostel off after probably about 30 minutes or so. I just went, fuck. Well, I said more than fuck, there was a lot of more four-letter words. Hmm. But it was just nasty for nasty's sake. And it just doesn't interest me. And I think we're in a, a certain expectation level with the characters that we have in, in the 80s franchises that if you try to do anything different to them, hmm. it just doesn't work. Because here's the one thing we never mentioned. And I don't know if you know this. Did you know there was a TV show? I was going to ask you about this as we got near the end. What the hell is the premise of this TV show? Cursed antiques, apparently. Okay. So like a... So needful things. Spooky Ottoman. Kind of needful things I, I, I've never seen it. I've, I don't know if it ever played in the UK. I've seen more episodes of Freddy's Nightmares than I have of, of ever knowing that... Ever seen the, the Friday the 13th TV show. So What was Freddy's Nightmares? It was short... Sort of tales from the crypt style, but instead of Crypt Keeper, you had um, Freddy. Freddy. Right. Some of them did involve him, um, and this actually one of the episodes. Now I might be wrong, misremembering this is actually sort of the origins of Freddy. And if I remember correctly, I think it was Tobe Hooper that directed it. Oh, nice! R.I.P.D. Tobe. Um, hmm. uh, I honestly, off the top of my head, cannot think how to do Friday the Thirteenth now. I can't think. I don't think that, you can. I, I, if the remake hadn't happened, I would say let's go back to Crystal Lake and just do a really good Jason film that is funny, but not not quite so ridiculously over the top as Jason X. Doesn't feel as cheap, but actually has a hero and heroine team up who eventually, you know. Out, outrun him and, and, and destroy him but you know leave it in a possible he could come back just make a really solid Friday the 13th film rather than trying to do something like really out there the alternative is a deconstruction of the slasher genre within the world of a specific slasher so the next step up from Scream then Cabin in the Woods then I suppose Friday the 14th Oh, the the yeah. problem is, like, a lot of this stuff has carried on in, like, in the comic books, which I've read. Mm. So there's the sequel to Freddy Jason, which is Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. Because I mentioned the necro mm-hmm. uh, and which sees, um, well, it kills off the two survivors from Freddy Jason and brings in Ash and every other survivor of Freddy and Jason. And, yeah, it's it's absolutely god-awful because it doesn't manage to capture the comedy of the evil dead. Mm. 
or any of the fun stuff from the others, and it just takes itself too seriously. It, it just wasn't an enjoyable read. Uh, I think uh, we run into the problem where its concepts are better than the reality that we can get with a lot of them. I don't know how you could... The only guy that I think you could have a reasonable chance of bringing back is Freddy. Um, yeah. The Hellraiser franchise is off lost in the weeds so badly, but apparently the Chucky franchise is... is steadily ticking away and doing quite well for itself there's a netflix one i know that the uh the new one um the cult of chucky, cult of chucky yeah uh, apparently the previous one wasn't bad and it all still ties together which is yeah. quite incredible if they managed to pull it off but again i think we've kind of mo- we've kind of moved past the idea i think of having sort of the movie maniacs that was very much an 80s thing mm. The closest you might get to is maybe Jigsaw, but I have a feeling that new film is going to bomb. I don't yeah. think people are going to be that interested. I think we've moved past that. By the way, Jigsaw only cost $10 million, so it couldn't bomb. It made $103 million. It, When we tend to look at horrors now, they're more the supernaturally stuff like Insidious yeah. uh, and along those lines. Yeah, Sinister and uh, Conjuring. Conjuring. The Conjuring universe now, and that nun can go and fuck itself. You know what's really funny that we can't explain. You know what's really funny about that? I love the fact they've made a franchise off two flipping fraudsters. Yeah, it's hilarious. But then again, it's stories. People like stories. I think uh, we haven't waned on horror. I don't. We probably will see the rise of new sort of monsters, but it it might take time, like it did. You know, we all remember the Universal monsters. You know, Mm. the Draculas, the Frankenstein's, and then it took the eighties to get something new. And maybe it'll take some more time again until we get something else. But because it tends to be cyclical, it tends well, to come round. We've been through a phase of really, really heavy zombie stuff. Like, oh, I am so everything. bored of zombies. But but it, they're not they're not really horror. If you think about how the the zombie stuff has manifested itself, The Walking Dead is it's really survival. more of a yeah, yeah it's a, a survival social commentary. The White Walkers in Game of Thrones. These are not pure horror beasties. They're sci-fi because they're effectively allegory for yeah. you know. Yeah. There's a lot of allegory in horror best. as well, but yeah, it's a, it's an allegory for zombies have been compared with technology yeah. um, uh, or, or the uh, um, or consumerism. consumerism. Yeah. The, the difference, I think, essentially is. That that bright line of the cautionary tale. Basically, a horror story is mm. saying, "Right, don't do this, otherwise this will happen." Whereas the sci-fi yeah. is saying, "These are ethical quandaries that you're going to have to really think about." Because these things that are going to be done because they're part of human nature. Now, the essential core of Friday the Thirteenth is you teenagers with you having fun and your young, don't chirp, be a teenager, um, <laughs> tight bodies having sex and doing drugs. I. I wish I could do some of that, but I can't. So now fuck all of you and you what get to die. What we want you to do is either die as a child or just jump from being a child straight to being 40. Yeah, basically. So like, the, if the original premise of uh, Friday the 13th was just disapproval of teenagers, and since by and large while they were being made by boomers, all of the ire was directed at Gen X teenagers... Honestly, like the best way to update Friday the Thirteenth now would be just someone who fucking hates millennials. <laughs> yeah. You and your avocado toast. No fair shortage. Anyway, um, so that's the Friday the Thirteenth series. Thank you, Neil, for coming on to do this one. This has been long awaited, I think. <laughs> yes, this is this is always fun doing these Halloweens when we've done like night. So, what's next year? Are we we, we taking the plunge at Halloween because I definitely have. Oh to no, we've we've, those if we've we do. done Halloween. Um, oh, thank God. Uh, we we did we didn't do all of them though because that's too much work. We did Halloween one, two, seven, and the remake. <laughs> 
and oh, we avoided. We could possibly do Season of the Witch just on its own because I know you Season like that. Of Witch, one. Season of the Witch is is you have to forget Bad that it has the Halloween mental. moniker and it's just yeah. really good. Absolutely. But you can't just call it Season of the Witch because there's another film called Season of the Season Witch. Season of the Witch, yeah. So That's effectively, the then we did the Laurie Strode saga. Yes, that was that was what was interesting to us. We were just in Laurie Strode's angle. <laughs> yeah. Until the until the new one comes out. Yeah. And yes, actually, since Jamie Lee Curtis is contracted to do two more Halloween films, following on from what I call Halloween 11, because there are two other bloody films in that franchise just called Halloween. I've got to call it something. There's then Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. We might do a whole trilogy once that's done. School of Movies is supported by Patreon, and there's just time before we go to thank warmly from the bottom of Camp Crystal Lake our $15 patrons. So thank you to Joel Robinson, Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Connor Kennedy, Brian Novak, Evan Jankowski, Sarah Montgomery, Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson, Tyler Long, Joe Gasiga, Greg Downing, Tim Rosinski, Christopher Wolf, Kat Esman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Luke Hatfield, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicol, Jameis Enright, Mark Lutsch, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Dachler, and Lorraine Chisholm. Thank you so, so much, Neil. It has been an absolute pleasure once again to have you on. If people want to check out your stuff, where can they find it? You can find me over on YouTube. That's youtube.com forward slash thekiddog. And I'd like to pat us all on the back for managing to do this in under an hour. <laughs> and another hour. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> And to play us out is Alice Cooper with The Man Behind the Mask from The Best One, Friday the 13th, Part 6. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And School's Out. out.